1: Use the promo code Blue for a refreshing beverage ahead of Halloween season.
0: Blue Liar.
2: Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host Nick Palato. Tonight I'm a little bit under the weather. I don't know if you can hear it. Not feeling my best. I have these grandma glasses on, as Nick calls them. Jeffrey Dahmer glasses. Wow, don't go that far. i (laughs) bought into this idea that there are harmful blue light rays coming in from the computer screens at night that impact your sleep. So I wear these things, already feeling under the weather from a lack of sleep. Maybe it's because I was yelling in my basement watching that Giants game yesterday, and I got really excited. I don't know what got me this way, but we're fighting through. We're pushing through. There's great film to get to. We didn't want to wait another day. Could have pushed it off, said I was sick, could have pushed it off. But you know what? Let's get to this. There's some really good tape, Nick, to go over here from the Giants offense. This is my most impressive performance by the offense on film that I've seen this season. We like to start this thing off with, like, what did we learn from the film that we might not have seen? This is not something we really learned for me, Nick. But, man, Mike Kafka figures out a way to really call passing route concepts and combinations that take advantage of what the defense is doing. It's just every week with this dude. And another thing is, like, they're blocking really well in the run game. That's not everyone. It's not to say everyone. I'm going to have my gripes today with John Feliciano in the run game on a couple plays, one specific. I'm going to have my gripes with Ben Bredesen in the run game. But, you know, when you have these tight ends chipping in in the run game, when you have even, like like we talked about on the last podcast, running backs chipping in on the, in, on the run in the blocking game, receivers it doesn't necessarily always matter when not everyone's doing a perfect job because you have the collective power there. And so this is a team right now that's that's really practicing and playing offense at a level that I would have never expected week five of a new regime. And so I guess the main thing I learned here is more of the same. They're taking advantage of what the defense is doing and they're really calling a great game and executing a great game for what they are right now. And that's interesting. It brings me to my next thing, Nick, that I want to go over with you. Do you see Dan Orlovsky's take on the Giants offense right now. I've tweeted it out a bit earlier. I did not see it. He basically was, you know, he broke down how the Giants went nine for 10 in this game for 99 yards on play action passing. The Giants at this point lead the NFL in play action passing, which I think is a good thing. Um, and what he said was the Giants have used on more than 200 versus 100 plays. So more than double the plays that Giants have called either bootleg action, play action, RPO versus traditional dropbacks and what he said is the reason he loves it so much is it took daniel jones's biggest weakness which is dropping back into a pocket and panicking under pressure and just feeling the pressure too early making poor decisions not reading locking on things and it minimized it because it's you know having him move out having him make the fine reason i feel like this was another example of just really good really good plays that put the skill set of daniel jones Into the forefront here for the Giants like you see one play where they have we'll get to a bunch of these but you see one play where they have even a half field high low read something we've seen in the past Daniel Jones find success with under Pat Shermer and there's been a lot of these half field reads and that's one thing we'll talk about at some point this season Nick because I still don't feel like he's really making full field progressions in this offense they're really limiting to half the field most of the time which has its limitations. Brita was open on an arrow route we'll go over later in the game. That was wide open touchdown, just never part of the progression or it's just not looking that way. But as far as what can you do right now with this offense, with the receivers they have in place and the offensive line with the left guard and center situation, this is the perfect offense for Daniel Jones and for any quarterback, really, I, w- I would think at this point. So I really like what they've done, and I thought that was an astute take by Dan Orlovsky. And I didn't see the Dan Orlovsky take, but it's evident on film. Like, what did they have, Dan? Like five
1: true pass sets that didn't involve play action? Right. Like, is that sustainable? Does that <laughs> seem sustainable? I mean, I can I can see how that can be perceived as a slight on the offensive line. And to maybe some extent, that's true, as we saw in the week three game against the Dallas Cowboys. But I think we could also argue that it maximizes the offensive line a little bit because this offensive line does a good job climbing to the second level. So blocking laterally, will allow them to at least use their athletic ability and also use a bit of deception to get Daniel Jones to amplify his talents which is get him on the run, allow him to get comfortable, allow him to use his athletic ability and give him those easy options like we <laughs> talked about with like the block and the chip and the release from Daniel Bellinger. Just give him the options, man and allow him to cook, you know, mobily. Like he's he's kind of like a food truck, you know. He's not in the kitchen like like Russell Wilson used to be. He's like a food truck Daniel Jones.
2: <laughs> a food truck. That's an interesting reference. I haven't heard you make that one. But yeah, I mean, look, for where they're at right now, I like it. Is it sustainable long term? I don't know. Is this whole idea of having a quarterback who's really just reading half the field sustainable? I don't know. I mean, look, it's working right now. And I think with where they're at, it's the perfect thing. And I just generally like the idea of running a heavy play action offense. But at some point, you obviously want to have the full field available to you as a quarterback and obviously a drop back game because it's not always going to like right now. They're figuring out ways to get through these third and long situations. Um, But there will be times where they're going to fall behind by 14 points, 17 points, 20 points, whatever it is. And they're going to have to really pick up yards fast in the passing game traditionally.
1: I will say this about Mike Kafka, Dan. He's a tendency exploiter.
0: And I think that's a good way to
1: put it. Because any tendency that a defense has, if if that defense shows something on the prior drive, a look that the giants throw out there. And then the defense is successful. He's going to go back to that, but he's going to do something different. It's going to be something that's going to take advantage of what the defense did before. It always seems like Mike Kafka and this coaching staff in general, you can put Wink Martindale in there. And obviously Brian Dable, he's a step ahead. Like if this was a chess game, he's always a step ahead of his opponents. And he always has an answer to whatever they're doing. And I think that is just such a great position for this new york giants offense to be in like we've said so many times i mean the current state of the wide receiver position daniel jones is playing his best football the offensive line and pass protection isn't great but despite all that they're four and one and they just beat aaron Rodgers and the green bay packers on the road with just these massive drives in the second half to sustain the football and keep just pushing it down the field so we're going to get into it here in the film a little bit but that would be one of my takeaways is that he's a tendency exploiter. And also you touched on run blocking about five minutes ago or so, Dan, what I love the most, and we brought this up, I think on the quick reaction podcast is how the backside blocks are able to execute their blocks and get up to the second level to take away those pursuit defenders. I think that is a big reason why all of these runs are being sprung. All these long Saquon Barkley runs, it's a credit to Saquon Barkley, but it's also a credit to the backside blocks and their ability to get up to the second level quickly. And we talked about it in the offseason, right? Glowinski, he's a better run blocker and he's actually pretty damn good in space. He's not the best pass protector. Josh Azudu, who isn't playing right now. But one reason why we love Josh Izudu was because he has that type of mobility to be that type of difference maker as a blocker once he gets fully up to speed. So I think that is a huge part to what the New York Giants are doing and why they're having success on the ground.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with you. And it's just amazing to me to see this be the case in week five. And it's been the case really all season long. For an offense that over the past however many years, really five, I don't know, this just goes back probably like eight, nine years, has just generated nothing in the run game. They didn't have that. Like, since really since 2008, you could argue 2009 had some remnants of it. But since that's a long time now, that's over a decade of football where they're just struggling to get anything going in the run game. They didn't have players climbing to the second level. They didn't have backside blocks. They didn't have them all working continuity. They weren't springing big plays. Like, even in Barkley's breakout season as a rookie in 2018, I didn't feel like for much, and this is all based on memory, but I don't feel like I remember too many unbelievably blocked plays. There were some really nice blocks downfield by like Sterling Shepard later in the play, but it was mostly Barkley doing crazy things. And like, he was even a step, in my opinion, a step more explosive than he is now. That's not a knock on him because I think he's a better player now. He's a more efficient runner and he's getting vertical and he's making better decisions. But I do feel like he's not as explosive as he was as a rookie. And that's again, not a knock. He was the most explosive player I've ever seen as a rookie and he was using that in a lot of ways to win it wasn't really via the blocking and so it's just amazing to me that they've been able to get this up to speed so fast as a run blocking unit um and there's and what's so interesting about it you pointed this out earlier when you were breaking down um the uh, the big saquon barkley run from the wildcat where they had the unbalanced look with like andrew thomas right next and evan neal on the right side then they run it left and you have like david sills making a key block you have matt breeda making a key block you have Mark Lewinsky climbing to the second level and making the real key block in that play, the one that that, that makes it happen in the first place. But what's so interesting to me is it's a really diverse run game. It's not like the Kyle Shanahan, where it's just like they're hitting you with outside zone over and over and over again, or like the the Kubiak system or any of these other systems. It's more like there's new things added. There's new wrinkles added to this run game week after week after week. And it's becoming tough for these teams to prepare. Like you even showed there was the WAM block that that Bellinger made that led to that free to run, which we'll talk about potentially at some point. Well, that wasn't the only one. They were using him on Wham blocks and other plays in this game. And there's just new wrinkles added to this unit, to this team from a run blocking standpoint, week after week, it's clear that they take pride in the run game. And it's clear. They understand like the run game is the biggest component in our offense right now. It's what makes our, it's, it's what's leading us to scoring touchdowns for the most part. And we got to execute it. and that's exactly what they're doing, but it's not that easy. That's the interesting part.
1: It's married so well to the passing attack because the giants are running so much, play action bootleg and play action types of passes and the, the run looks the same as the pass off the play action and that's another reason why these defenses are in such a bind they don't know if the giants are running the football or if they're passing the football and that's another reason why you have that backside pursuit defender if he's being undisciplined always crash down giving daniel jones the ability to flow outside get lateral get his eyes downfield square up and throw the football the way the running game and the passing game look, it's a huge reason why the Giants are also successful. And that is a
2: credit to the coaching. That is a credit to Brian Dable. That is a credit to Mike Kafka. It really is. And I think in a nutshell, if you want to break down what makes the Giants offense so effective right now, as effective as it has been, it is exactly what you said. And what makes any offense effective? That's it in a nutshell. If you can marry it, you're passing in your run games to the point where they can't predict each play if it's going to be a run or a pass because you're doing it, you're running play, run plays out of these looks, but you're also running play action out of these same exact looks. That's the difference. Because a lot of these teams, when they start to run the ball, if teams don't have an effective run game, They set it up, they make it pretty obvious, the defense knows the run is coming, and it's not like they run any pass plays off of those looks. They may have a shotgun pass game, they may have a no-huddle pass game, whatever it may be, but it's not a similar pass game to their run game. The Giants are not that kind of team, like we talked about earlier. They're running play action more than any team in the NFL. A lot of that is from under center, and that's the key, too. A lot of that play action game they've been running, which I love, is from under center. Me personally, I'm one of the biggest fans of play action in general. So I love the fact that this is now a play action heavy offense. Motion is something we needed. We got it this season. Thank God. We moved to the modern era, But play action is not something I was guaranteed to get, especially after watching the Brian Dable offense. And even really that Chiefs offense isn't really look and with Kafka coming from, it doesn't really look anything like the Giants' offense looks right now. They really pass to open up the run, same with the Bills. And so and then even some of their play action is out of shotgun. So and the Giants have mixed that in as well. I want to make that clear. But It's just great to see what you just said, man, like it's a team that on offense, you can't know based on how they line up and their personnel grouping if they're going to run or pass. And that when you have that uncertainty, you are you keep the defense on their heels the whole game and you give yourself the best chance to win.
1: The coaching adjusts to their personnel. Like we said, they didn't have a running back like Saquon Barkley in Kansas yeah. City or in Buffalo, and their quarterbacks were better than what Daniel Jones currently is right now. So you adjust your scheme to your personnel. That's a testament to just great coaching. And another thing, you brought up the wham block before. I saw a wham block and I saw a trap block. Haven't seen many of those this yeah. season. Yeah. Now people are like, oh, the, the split zone, that's a trap block. That I don't constitute that as a trap block. A trap block, so basically what happens is a defensive lineman is allowed to just go and penetrate. So there's a defensive lineman over the top of an offensive guard. The offensive guard lets him pass. And then the backside offensive guard essentially pulls and just ear holes him and he doesn't see it coming. That's a trap block. And then a wham block is essentially the same thing. Only you're using a tight end or an H back to do that. And we saw one trap block in this game and we saw one wham block with Daniel Bellinger. And if you look that defender who ends up getting trapped or whammed he's covered and then he goes to engage like mark Lewinsky or whoever it is and mark Lewinsky just lets him go right past and he's like oh i'm in the backfield next thing you know he's getting contacted and Saquon Barkley barkley's running past him we'll go over all that though uh in the film
2: review part of this yeah so let's dive into the film right now but before we do that i just kind of want to go over something i found so interesting about this game the giants had two punts to start the game they went three and out to start the game before they made adjustments they didn't punt a single time after that pretty insane right there not including obviously the punt after the safety which isn't a punt but they went field goal touchdown field goal touchdown touchdown safety after that which again was the safety but they didn't punt again they had two drives that were seven minute plus another drive that was six minutes one drive that told eight minutes they did everything that you want from an offense in this game, including explosive plays. So I just wanted to point that out how wild it was to see a team not punt literally after those first two drives. Like you take this game after midway through the first quarter, the giants did not punt the ball again. That is something we never ever expected to see last year when the Gi- or when we were watching this and evaluating this team last year, even going into this year, we didn't really expect it. So this was against a really good defense to pull that off. It shows that this offense is starting to gel. They're starting to get themselves together. One thing I want to ask you about, actually, real quick before we dive into this film here, and it looks like you're showing the first three and out here. I don't think there's too much to really break down, so we can kind of roll through that. But do you find it interesting, Nick, that somebody like Marcus Johnson is able to kind of step into a role, make plays right away in his first opportunity, I think get three catches for 35 yards. In an offense that we've heard described as a difficult offense to pick up for receivers, with choice routes, we've heard... Look, Darius Tony can't pick hasn't picked up this offense that fast and not just the injuries. He wasn't used at all when he was healthy, Darius Toney. I mean, he was used a little bit, like you said, on drags and a few other th- concepts that weren't really anything crazy. When they tried to use him down the field, he had that offensive pass interference. How is a player like Marcus Johnson able to just get up to speed so fast within this offense in your mind?
1: I think it's because Marcus Johnson is a professional. I'm not saying Kadarius Tony is, not but Kadarius Tony is a young football player right now. Marcus Johnson has played in several different systems, and he was in another pretty complicated system in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan for a little while. He was with the Indianapolis Colts under Frank Reich, another system that is not maybe the easiest system. So I think it's just because he's been around the game for a little bit, and he's a professional. And he also looked pretty solid, I would say, Dan. He's definitely a player that I am interested in. Yeah, he
2: looks pretty damn good out there. And it's just interesting. to me, that he and that makes that's a good point by you. It makes a lot of sense that look, he's a guy who's been around a lot of systems, but I just find it interesting. We hear all about how this, how hard this offense is to pick up, and then we have a guy come right in, look pretty spry out there. Here's first down. The Giants are going to pull Daniel Bellinger. I just like this lead block from Bellinger right here. Watch,
1: watch him displace Rashawn Gary right there. But Saquon Barkley ends up cutting it up, and there's just not a lot of blocking. And I find it interesting too, Dan.
0: A real the nice last block two by
2: Bellinger ge- there.
1: Yeah, you know, really nice block by Bellinger, but the last two games and really just this season, the giants have been slow starters on, on offense. They go three and out, they go three and out, they feel out the defense and then those adjustments kick in and then they start to find a groove. And we saw that at the start of the third drive too. We'll go over the, the second drive here. In a second, we'll just show the plays and kind of talk over it. But on the third drive, that's when we started seeing the play-action rollout. It was like the Giants were like, okay, I think, you know, is Daniel Jones comfortable enough to, to use the play-action rollout? We didn't see the play-action rollout until that third drive. It was two consecutive three and outs. And that, we were all kind of, you know, Rodney Danger feeling after that. We were like, oh, geez, this could, be, this could get really rough. And luckily, the Giants were able to assemble some real drives. But look, look, this is the second drive right here. You can see there's just not a lot going on for the Giants.
2: Yeah, they go two straight three and outs. One drive at six yards. The other drive at negative seven yards. They just couldn't get it going. They went empty. They couldn't get they tried to go empty and hit Barkley on this deep pass. But you have an immediate breakdown here from Feliciano that really screws this play up. I actually like this play concept. though. I love this play concept.
1: And not even just the Saquon Barkley part. Like Saquon Barkley yeah. against Quay Walker, like Saquon Barkley is going to be able to win this matchup against a lot of linebackers. That's right. one reason why I like it. But Quay Walker might not be one of them.
2: At least he's, he's like opinion. a four-four linebacker. This is like he doesn't really. It's not really a great route by Barkley either. He doesn't sell the inside move at all. He should. There should be like if you just watch his him coming out of this route. There's not much separation at any point here. He just fades. But what I love, though, is the
1: number two and the number three receiver. You just get this little button hook right here from Daniel Bellinger and then a flat route right down the line of scrimmage from Tanner Hudson, who has leverage on Devondre Campbell. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Why is this new water called Liquid Death? Because it will brutally murder your thirst and the recyclable tallboy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles i've tried liquid death and i am still here i'm not plastic nor am i thirsty anymore because my former parched state was quenched by the tart acidic taste of one of their flavors severed lime the lime became severed because it messed with another liquid death flavor mango chainsaw which combines real agave nectar with leather face to slice the uncomfortable drought festering in your oral cavity. Into berries and fruit? Go six feet deep with a heartbeat with their sparkling flavor, Bury It Alive. If you love still or sparkling water, go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundy's, or hy or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com. Just use the promo code BIGBLUE. Again, go get Liquid Death at your local Whole Foods Market, Target, and Stop and Shop stores. Or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com. And then use the promo code BIGBLUE. That's liquiddeath.com bigblue. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? Do you like to place bets and find ways to optimize your betting experience? Well, then oddstrader.com is the place for you. Oddstrader is a place to compare odds from all the major sports books. You can also compare the different sign up codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal. Oddstrader offers handicapping, play by play updates, player statistics, key game statistics, live scoring and tracking, projected game day, weather, and Bet Tracker allows you to keep records of all your games and betting activity. So if you like to place bets and you want to get the most out of that experience, go to OddsTrader.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's OddsTrader.com slash BLUEWIRE. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And Dan, we'll see how Kenny Clark is
1: just
2: an absolute beast here on John Feliciano. Yeah. Oof, that's just rough. Daniel Jones, Jones there, right? Yeah. It's a a bad rep for Feliciano. It's a tough job when he's lined up right over him there. I mean, to snap the ball and just get back up. But Feliciano, obviously, this was definitely, I thought, potentially one of the worst games Feliciano's had as a giant so far.
1: I felt like Bredesen was probably worse than than Feliciano
2: in this this game. But yeah,
1: this is just another drive. We'll show the third downplay as we talk. It's just an attempt to take advantage of the aggressiveness. Third and 13 of Green's Bay.
2: Try to get the screen going. They had some blocking if they get it going, but...
1: If he Jair Ale- back
2: inside, he'd have to Jai- really make a quick Barkley move. But yeah, they, they were ready for the giant screens in this game. Yeah. Jair Alexander
1: was, was all over Saquon in a lot of those on a lot of those plays.
2: Yep. That was clearly part of the game plan for green Bay. They were not good because the giants have been beating, have been winning with the screen game a lot so far this season. And I was clear that the, they were not only going to not let that happen, but they were, keyed on to even that first drive where they had to throw out on third down to to Barkley. You saw the defensive attention move all in his direction on that. It was like they knew that play was going to be designed for Barkley. So early on, you saw them kind of try to dismantle Barkley's ability to impact them in the passing game. But ultimately, the Giants found a way to get Barkley going in the passing game, which we'll get to in a bit.
1: And we'll transition here, Dan, to the first play of the third drive. So right now, does it looks pretty bleak for the New York Giants. The Giants end up getting a field goal on this drive, eight plays. And this is when you see the first play action rollout. Double Y set right there. They sell it really well to the field. Daniel Jones is a clean pocket, steps up, and delivers an absolute strike to Darius Slayton, who wins on this route, wins inside. I love this concept. I love the fact that they were just getting Jones. He doesn't really do too much in terms of movement but he's able to set up and you can see he looks comfortable here. He doesn't really look hampered or anything like
2: that. And you have your two fastest receivers out there running these routes. One thing I loved about Daniel Jones on this play, if you can slow it down a little bit or maybe go to the other view. I love two things. One thing that Greg Cosell broke down about Daniel Jones, for those who don't know, Greg Cosell's NFL films guru, one of the best film guys out there. He always talked about how on these play action passes from under center, Jones did a great job as a rookie, a better job than he sees from most rookies in snapping his head around. And you could see in this example, Jones does such an excellent job here off the play action, setting his feet, snapping his head around, and he's so quick to snap his head around that it gives him the opportunity to really get into that throw early, and he needs to. Because, again, there's pressure coming here from his right side from 94. And so, ultimately, if he takes time to get into this, it's going to be a disaster. He's probably going to get hit and he's not going to be able to make this throw. also like how coming off the play action, he originally here sort of flashes his eyes towards the right side where there's a different route combination for snapping back and then throwing to the left. So just an excellent play here from Daniel Jones, I thought.
1: Yeah, we talk about going through progressions, right? You can see it right there. He's looking at Marcus Johnson. He's like, okay, both of those players right there, that safety and that cornerback are getting cleared out. Quay Walker is not at sufficient depth. Darius yep. Slayton's going to be open if he wins inside and he does and he beats Eric Stokes.
2: Absolutely love that play. And that's something that we'll see a lot of examples of that this game, but that's something that's been true throughout his career. He's done a really good job snapping his head around off play action. And, you know, it helps the Giants out a lot. Here we have a run from Saquon Barkley that I had no idea how this got five yards. This is all Barkley here. Yeah, it's, it's a, a halfback five yard gain.
1: It's a halfback counter run. You pull the backside guard, you pull Daniel Bellinger, something that the Giants ran a lot back in 2020 with Wayne Gallman. And you can see Rashawn Gary does a really good job using a squeeze technique right there to keep that rushing lane narrow because you want this rushing lane to be wide right here. So Daniel Bellinger can lead block, take away Walker. And then you have Saquon Barkley against an alley defender coming down and Adrian Amos or one of the defenders over here, but that doesn't happen. The Packers play this really well and it's just all just absolutely congested. And you can just see how Saquon Barkley makes something out of nothing there.
2: Yeah, that could have and should have been a loss. Like in the past, Saquon Barkley, 1,000%, I've seen it on film way too many times, cuts that outside and tries to win on the edge and ends up getting strung out. And here he does a great job. This is an interesting play on this second and five. I thought Jones did an excellent job improvising. Probably you can see it better from the other view. But to get this ball out to Bellinger was excellent. He takes a massive shot after the yeah, throw.
1: We want to we look at the hit for the audio audience. This is just a play action double Y set. Watch Daniel Jones take this hit from two Packers defenders. He goes into the play action and it's two deep horizontal crossing routes and he gets absolutely nailed, but finds Daniel Bellinger for a nice gain of, I believe it's, what is it? 11 yards here or something.
2: And yes, and it was a really good decision by Jones because he comes off the play action, snaps his head around, and both those deep crossers, there's nowhere to go with the football. And at that point, the pressure is already bearing down on him. So I want to give a lot of credit to Daniel Jones on this one for turning this into an 11-yard gain. This could have very, very easily just been a sack or even worse. Um, and he takes a massive shot here. He is planted hard to the ground by two Packers at the same time. Daniel Jones takes a lot of hits in games. Like You watch the film and you see it. He just takes massive shots week after week. But this was an excellent play by Jones. That, If you're looking for plays where Jones made a difference in the game, to me that was certainly one of them. Absolutely. When you stand
1: in the pocket and you get nailed and you get the football out of your hands, I mean that's just shows your toughness, it shows your leadership, it shows your poise. And you know the team just rallies around him. But the next play the Giants don't really do anything on the ground. I think they get one yard. Daniel Bellinger is called for the hold which set up a first and 19 pass where it seemed like there was a miscommunication possibly between Darius Slayton and Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones, this was his one, I would say, bad throw. I don't know if it was a miscommunication, so maybe I shouldn't say that with with certainty but it certainly seems like Daniel Jones missed a huge play opportunity to the number three receiver Darius Slayton running
2: an over route and just running into space. Yeah, I mean, look at it from the end zone angle. You'll kind of see it's hard when you look at it from the end zone angle to blame it on Slayton. I know a lot of people are talking about, oh, Slayton's supposed to get his head around, but watch it from this angle, and you probably can't watch it if you're hearing. How is that really on Slayton? Look, he's looking for the ball. He's 100% looking for the ball. He's expecting it to be in front of him where it's supposed to be, but the ball's behind him, and then you see him kind of turn his head around backwards so I know you know it was hard to see on the broadcast but now that you watch it from that angle on the film to me it's quite obvious that he was he didn't not turn his head around as far as why was the ball placement off I don't know it could be like you said a miscommunication I think there's a chance that Jones was expecting Slayton to run the route at a different depth to where that ball maybe should have been or there's a chance that he just missed the throw. I mean, quarterbacks miss with ball placement all the time. Daniel Jones actually is one of the better quarterbacks from a ball placement standpoint. So we don't see this that often, I don't think, at least, at least not on these types of throws from Daniel Jones, which is a good thing, by the way. But there's just a the chance that he just misses with ball placement here. That happens sometimes for quarterbacks, even from a purely, you know, a really nice clean pocket like he has. You can see from that end zone angle. But um, yeah, obviously, as you can tell, Green Bay made a really big mistake on this. They have they're playing way too far. The Green Bay was was playing it way too deep. All game, I thought the Green Bay defensive backs were playing a bad depth, and Giants take advantage of that. And here, like, if you get this throw on the money in stride, who knows where this play could go?
1: This is Green Bay. Jair Alexander actually getting a little bit too aggressive with the routes that were to his side. So it's a three-by-one set with Tanner Hudson on the boundary side, so closer to the sidelines. Darius Layton's the number three receiver running the deep over route. And what the Giants do, and I love this, they have Tanner Hudson just run a quick little curl route. about. Three yards, right? And then you have Saquon Barkley flare out to his side. And Tanner Hudson kind of looks like he's going to block on this play. He could at least appear that way. And that's going to draw the attention of Devondre Campbell because Saquon Barkley's going in this direction. Quay Walker and Jair Alexander kind of clamps down. And what does that do? That opens up the area of the field, right? where the 30 yard line is for those watching on the YouTube, where Jair Alexander was going to be if he was going to gain depth. So Jair Alexander is paying attention to all the routes in front of him. And that's one reason why Darius Slayton is streaking against the safety who is outside. So Darius Slayton has all the space from the numbers to the sideline here, from the hash to the sideline, even just beasted him on leverage right here. This is an excellent development for the Giants. It's just the connection
2: wasn't there from Jones to Slayton. And look at the Green Bay defensive back after the play trailing on 25. He jumps up in the air. He knows he's screwed up. I mean, he knows something went wrong there for that to be that, for there to be that much green space out of him. But, you know, it's just a miss. They'll look back at that and, and they'll and they'll go over it. But they find a way after that to pick up, uh, it looks like 12 yards to Marcus Johnson off nice leverage. This is a good example of what Marcus Johnson can do. I thought he did an excellent job after the catch on this play and showed some good post-catch explosiveness
1: this is kind of what Dan was talking about before the Packers. I mean, it's a second and 19 situation, so they're playing off. There's no reason to be up on the line of scrimmage, but the giants and Mike Kafka are just taking what the defense gives you, right? This is especially at this area of the field. You're at your own or you're at the Packers 45 yard line. So you're on the fringe of being in field goal range. So you just want to get yourself into field goal range. And the giants do that by just running like a five yard curl to Marcus Johnson, who then outruns Jair Alexander outside to pick up like an extra six or seven yards here. So that's a great individual effort from Marcus Johnson and put the Giants into a third and seven situation and
2: realistic field goal range. And I kind of like this play call in third. And so it didn't work out here. The throw maybe could have been that uh, throw was fine. I think he just dropped it. He was looking ahead at the green grass ahead of him. Barkley wanted to kind of set it up. And it's not like the, this was a totally full play for the Packers. He would have had to make a really good individual effort. But it is another example of the Giants looking for ways to get Saquon Barkley involved in the passing game early and often. We've now seen it on all three of the first drives. Clearly, it was part of the game plan. I feel like they've been expanding his receiving package, and this was a great example of that in this game, all game, not just this play. And that's a really good thing because that's something we've been talking about for years that we want to see an expanded receiving role for Saquon Barkley. And obviously, on this play, it just didn't work out.
1: Yeah. Again, like the play, just like you said, you have three receivers to the field side and then Saquon Barkley motions from the boundary side, just off the ass of Marcus Johnson. And then right as he's finishing motioning, Daniel Jones just throws the football to him and you're trying to get blockers out in space, create a cutback lane for Saquon Barkley to right. kind of go around for those watching on YouTube, go around Andrew Thomas right there, but Saquon Barkley just drops the football Giants settle for a field goal.
2: Yep. And so now it's 10-3 at that point because the Packers actually went up 10-0 prior to that play. And then the Packers actually go up 17-3. This was kind of the turning point for the Giants in this game. They were going to have a chance to win this game. When they got the ball back after 17-3, they pretty much needed to put points on the board. It really had to be a touchdown, I thought, just where the momentum was going. And that's exactly what they did. They put together an 11-play, 86-yard touchdown drive and just... Just amazing to see them respond like that after that. And ultimately, it played a key factor in them winning this game. Um, We'll talk about other drives, too. But starting off with this was uh, starting off with this was a uh, play action concept here. Deep, deep content. The Giants were trying to run just the two man route, really, um, with Barkley kind of also in there. Nothing open. I thought Jones made a really good decision here to keep it. I love when Jones does this. I mean, look,
1: Darius Slayton basically running right up the field with Tanner Hudson running them like the deep over route. And I felt like the Packers transitioned Jair Alexander to number 26, Darnell Savage, really well to handle really well. Tanner Hudson. And then Eric Stokes just carries Darius Slayton deep. And at that point, this is where Daniel Jones is being instructed to take the yards that are there. And this is one of the first times in the game where we saw Daniel Jones, hobble Daniel Jones, end up actually almost hurting one of the Giants team doctors by getting knocked <laughs> out of bounds yeah. there. But hobble Daniel Jones gets on the move and he's able to at least pick up a couple yards with his feet. And at this point, I was like, oh, okay, that's we'll get that oh, uh, yeah, poor, poor team doctor poor guy. But it, it was good to see Daniel Jones at least use his legs and sh- just show
2: that he was comfortable enough doing that. And by the way, I will say this even about that play. It's also good to see him not try to force the ball there because nothing is remotely open. And I have seen quarterbacks from that in, in that situation just throw it up there hoping for the best. I mean, we even kind of saw that with Tyrod Taylor two weeks ago when he came in for Daniel Jones. And those are the types of plays that could lead to interceptions. And this drive doesn't happen. So it was not only just a good decision to run, it was a good decision not to force the throw, which I guess is the same thing. But either way, I want to give him some credit for that. I feel like Jones has done that most of the season.
1: I mean, we talk about like the Frankie Luvo pass. Uh, yep. Obviously the interception against Tennessee. But other than those plays, he's been
2: really and the Luvo with- pass, I don't even think is really an example of him not doing. It. I think the Luvo pass is just something he's been he's had an issue with his whole career, not oh. reading the that 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 defender who's in that area of coverage. Um, so, I mean, that's just something that he just didn't see. So it's a little different.
1: This is one of my favorite plays of the game. So everyone watching on YouTube and for those who aren't the left tackle to the field side, this is an unbalanced step, but the left tackle to the field side where it's the, the weak side of the formation is Daniel Bellinger. With Ben Bredesen, and then both tackles are to the boundary side with Evan Neal as the offensive tackle and Andrew Thomas as the big
2: personnel tight end. Back if you up want one second, Nick, explain to everybody what you mean by unbalanced set. By the way, this is on the sure. Wildcat 40 yard second and seven run by Saquon Barkley. I want to preface it with that, but then explain what you mean by an unbalanced set.
1: Unbalanced set just means you align multiple tight ends, if you want to call them that, quote unquote, to one side. So you have like three, four blockers. Unbalanced, you really would be like four blockers on one side and then two on the other. But a real like true unbalanced set is what the Giants are doing right here, where you take both of your offensive tackles and you align them in big personnel to one side of the field while having someone else be the Traditional offensive tackle to the other side, and that someone else is Daniel Bellinger, and the Giants run to this side. Dan, this is a that's wild. So great. This is a wildcat. cat run to
2: the side that doesn't have Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal.
1: It's a wildcat weak side pin pull concept right here. And if you look at the Packers front, and you've watched a good amount of film here, Dan, you have a nose tackle over John Feliciano, and then the next closest guy to the weak side where Daniel Bellinger is is an edge rusher who is off of Daniel Bellinger, but right in the position where, where David Sills can block down on him because yep. the Packers are accounting for all those extra gaps on the unbalanced side. So the Giants exploit this consistently. We saw it last week against the Chicago Bears, right, on the weak side run by Saquon Barkley, and we see it right here, only this time it's a wildcat. And you're going to see John Feliciano pull, and locate. You're going to see Daniel Bellinger pull. You're going to see David Sills and Ben Bredesen block down, 68 blocks down. David Sills blocks down. David Sills throws three blocks. Matt Breida is the lead blocker, and he transitions so well from when David Sills blocks Darnell Savage on his second block. Lead so well, yeah. So well, Dan. So well. So this Look is. Challenger a-
2: out there. He's doing a great job. Look at him out he there. He does a great job Low-key, kicking out, guy out, out that, guy. that guy. That guy can make the play a lot of the time, that defensive back.
1: And he's just flowing outside. He's the secondary yep. contained defender right here. Like This is an excellent play. And David, the David Sills blocks, like, I love this right here. Like David Sills, watch him make contact on Devondre Campbell, hands right on the chest. He sees Darnell Savage scraping over the top. So he gets in the way of him. Yep. Darnell Savage. And then he transitions back and just kind of hits hits Devondre Campbell right there as yes. Matt Brady right way. That is an elite play from David Sills. This is elite blocking, team blocking. You're getting it from so a tight good. end.
2: Looking at 13 there we didn't even mention 64 Glowinski, who does a great job on this as well.
1: I was, I was just about to, but to the front side of the play, you're getting elite blocking from your wide receiver, a, a key lead block from your backup running back who is not a fullback in Matt Breida. And then you're having your center pull and take out Rashawn Gary, with Daniel Bellinger locating Jair Alexander. Like, this is just an amazing play. This is something that you script up and you you put it in the football museum with Mark
2: Lewinsky also picking up uh-huh. Quay Walker right there. I absolutely love it. The Giants that play. have running backs blocking and executing blocks on key run plays. It's unbelievable. Like Matt Breida is a running back. It's just crazy to see. Absolutely. And also, man, like you can see right here.
1: The defense changes right before the snap, which is going to mess with the assignments of the blockers. And they're still able to adjust. Like John Feliciano was pulling, but John Feliciano does a great job realizing that 52 is right there. And yeah. nobody's blocking him because no one was blocking down on him. Cause Daniel Bellinger kicked out into space. So John Feliciano adjusts and he takes him, which allows Matt Breida that to be that lead the play, blocker. Honestly. Yeah. It saves the play. And then Matt Breida adjusts. And he's like, okay, I'm going to be the lead blocker here. I'm going to take out 26. It's just such a well well-orchestrated play where the players executed their assignments on the go, on the move. I I absolutely loved it.
2: Such an incredible play. And then they come right back out of it and they hit a big play. And one thing I love about teams that do this after big runs or after big passing plays, don't just run the ball up the middle. Don't just panic because the play clock's running down. They run play action here. And look at this pocket that Dale Jones has to throw from. This is a pristine pocket. Yes, I understand. They have a lot of guys blocking. That's part of what they've been doing. They have, you know, running backs in there to potentially help if they need they have an extra blocker to chip but even so you can see here jones has so much functional space to work with he does this thing he did a couple weeks ago where he kind of creates extra space to to hitch into the throw that i don't love i don't i don't don't necessarily understand why he does i think he's just looking for a cleaner throwing window i don't necessarily think he needs so i think he can just plant and throw from that original spot but either way the ball comes out plenty the timing is fine even with that and the ball comes out really nice i mean this is a pretty good ball to that hash yeah, this ends up being a 10-yard gain to Darius Slayton.
1: The Two receivers on this play are, it's 12 personnel and you have two tight ends to, to one side with one being a wingback off a of line of scrimmage and the two wide receivers, are Darius Slayton who catches the football and Marcus Johnson. And the speed that Marcus Johnson uses to run a deep over route, it's palpable. The you amount of speed it, yeah, that yeah. you see that jumps off the screen relative
2: to what we've been seeing for from those watching at the people. top of the screen
1: the top of the screen, you can see, watch that safety stress to, to close yep. on the hip. And it's not like he's creating ample separation, but you just see the speed. You see the acceleration, you see the stress that he's putting on the defense. And also this route by Slayton is very nice. I know he kind of stumbles he a little bit out little, of it. Yeah. He stumbles a little bit out of his break, but watch how he stems inside. He sells it really well, and then he stumbles, but he's able to recollect. Watch how tight that ankle. That's a very tight angle that Darius Slayton needs to turn on. Like Those ankles are fully flexed right there, man. They're at the gym. They're fully flexed. And then he comes back down towards the sideline and giving Daniel Jones an opportunity, kind of angling back towards the quarterback a little bit while also moving laterally, giving Daniel Jones an opportunity to throw the football right there. And Eric Stokes does not have an opportunity to make a play on the football.
2: And then just show them one view from the end zone angle, just so we can appreciate how the offensive line looks on this. I mean, this is just looks really nice from a blocking standpoint here. There's just no pressure at all on Daniel Jones. And how many times have we been able to say that over the years? I get it. They have a lot of guys in and there's only three, there's only four guys rushing, but man, there's no one. There's no one coming even close to getting penetration on Jones.
1: And good eyes by Jones to to look at the two receivers essentially that are out in this route, and also know that Darius Slayton's going to be open here. Ninety
2: one doesn't gain any That's depth. really good eyes. Good point by you. You can see it from this angle. He's holding, looking at Marcus Johnson there, and he gets it out there, and that that you know that that keeps that dropping linebacker from getting it the right depth and cutting off that route.
1: And this drop and that's Preston Smith right there. But another reason why he's staying a little bit tight to the line of scrimmage is Daniel Bellinger is an eligible run.
2: receiver. Oh, that's Yeah.
1: And Tanner Hudson's an eligible receiver. You yeah. have to respect that because the Giants use so many chip and release type of plays. So that's yep. just another little thing that the defense has to respect.
2: Yep. Really love to see that coming out. And look, they're expecting run and they and they don't do that. All right, let's see. Uh, this next play out of first and 10, I want to see from the other angle. I was curious to get your take on this. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure, but let's let's take a look from the other angle here.
1: So Jones gets sacked on this play. I love this play call, too, that's by the way, I
2: was going to ask you about. I thought there was an opportunity to rip the ball. It would have to be with anticipation, but I thought there's an opportunity to rip the ball to Marcus Johnson, potentially. What are your thoughts on that?
1: That's That's not the play. The, the play right here that that and marcus johnson is open and i and i thought the same thing but the play right here is to richie james that's the play design right here because w- what happens is the Giants run essentially the number two receiver to the field side is kind of running like a tight end leak type of play and those tight end leak plays at Tampa bay buccaneers used to run all the time with OJ howard that they would hit to like the backside and oJ howard would have like one catch for like 70 yards and a touchdown in, in some of those games if you remember that But what the Giants do is they take to the boundary side Darius Slayton, who is a reduced set inside the numbers. And he just basically angles inside to clear Eric Stokes out. And then you take Marcus Johnson and he just runs like a deep out route. And he does have leverage. You are correct. Absolutely. But Richie James is the desired receiver here. You're basically taking him. He's right off the line of scrimmage, right next to Marcus Johnson to the field side. And he's just going to release on a drag and up like a like the tight end leak, like the wheel route. So he's basically just dragging across the formation and then he's going up the numbers. And Ooh. I feel like the Packers covered that really well, but this was a play designed to go to
2: Richie James. And I there think there is some space too to this. If he throws that to the, near the, if he uses the sideline.
1: Yeah. If he uses the sideline, he definitely does. And I also like how the Giants released
2: there. I didn't even see that route on the first. I was so focused on the Marcus Johnson route.
1: Yeah, this is this is where the play design was supposed to go, in my opinion. And I also love how Saquon Barkley just kind of helps with blocking off of a play action. And then he just releases into the flat to occupy the underneath defender. And kudos to the Packers and whoever that defender is for covering this on Richie James. But this could have easily went for six. And I think we're going to file this away and we'll see this again soon enough because that's a cool
2: cool little route. That's a cool little route design. But for James there. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And this is something that you can see Wondell Robinson running, a Kadarius yeah. Tony running. Great so I really, I really like this. And you can also see how Richie James, he tempos his release right here. Yes. He's not firing off the line. Look, he's acting like he's blocking. And then he accelerates. And then yep. he accelerates. He's selling
2: the drag. He's
1: selling it. He's selling a drag, but he's also, he's not exploding. Right. You see how he's kind of like, yep he kind of like tempers his release a little bit to get all these linebackers to look in other directions right here. And then he goes, yes, does the play action. They do.
2: I mean, look at those linebackers, as you see, as he tempers that release, look at where they get, they they're not with him after he explodes out. So yeah, they, if they were going to make that throw a Jones would have had to hit his back foot and plant there. Cause there's enough pressure that kind of derails this play. And he would have to certainly lead him into space toward the sideline. But then we take a little quick hitter out here. Giants tried to hit a couple of these quick hitters. Um This looks like an alert play. It, it just, it is. they they haven't been able to really get as much yardage. None of these they've really been able to spring, it feels like, but that could change when they throw those, when they start throwing those out to like Wandell Robinson and Tony.
1: Absolutely. And these are also plays where you just take what the defense is giving you. This yeah. is the quick bubble. It's basically like a quick bubble. It's not a screen to to Richie James. But if you look at the the pre snap leverage of the Green Bay Packers, the guy over Richie James, closest to Richie James, is what? 10 yards away from him. like They're playing so soft on the New York Giants right here. So Daniel Jones off the RPO just calls alert. And you can see there's run blocking up front and throws the bubble to Richie James and they pick up a few yards. here. So you just take what the defense is giving you at this point.
2: Yeah, I think they actually only picked up one yard. They only spotted them for picking up one yard because they went from second and 14 to third and 13. And that's when they have this big time conversion that keeps this drive alive to Richie James. And you know, we, we can credit the Giants, and and we certainly should. It's an amazing pocket, even though it is, what, seven-man protection or six-man protection against four. Um, and it's a great throw by Jones. It's on the money. It's got great ball placement, got great velocity. The timing's great. It's an okay route by Richie James. But I got to be honest, I think this is just bad defense by the Packers. When I watch this play over and over, I'm just like, how the hell are you dropping that many guys in coverage and there's only three man route combination and you're leaving that area of the field vacated for, you know, an easy pretty much an easy pitch and catch it ends up being for Daniel Jones and Richie James?
1: Yeah, I would say the Packers definitely could have played better defense here but I also think there are little subtleties in this play that Daniel Jones and the Giants exploited. because so it looks like the Packers are in some sort of quarters type of coverage you have four guys dropping deep as you could yep. see and you also have the the safeties reading the release of the number two receiver so he's reading the release of Richie James and he's going to take him I think the presence of Daniel Bellinger is kind of low-key big here you see how he chips and then he releases and the Devondre yeah. Campbell kind of flows laterally with him right there yep. which opens yep. up a throwing window and if That's we switch to point. the If we switch to the end zone angle now, I think one of the key parts of this play is Daniel Jones holding that boundary side safety with his eyes. Right when Daniel Jones catches the snap, he looks at the boundary side safety and 31, that's Adrian Amos. He kind of sinks a little bit. And then Daniel Jones just kind of subtly glances to the other side. And then just delivers the football I feel it like, right away. Yeah. I feel like this little look right there. And you can see how he kind of looks back a little bit. Like, I feel like he's using his periffs right there to see what the safety's doing. And then he looks back. It's very hard to see, but you could see Daniel Jones. You can see the stripe on his helmet, go back towards Adrian Amos. Yep. I think that held Adrian Amos in place and allowed Richie James to go into this window. 100%. Right.
2: there. That so 100% I that, held the safety right there. That was a great play by Jones.
1: Yeah, it was a really good play by Jones. Right? And then Richie James points like that. Don't get the penalty, man. Just don't get the penalty. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, we don't need any stupid. Giants haven't had it. Any- we haven't had any stupid penalties. So we did have the Cave on Thibodeau one. I forgot about that. It was their only one. Those kill me.
1: Yeah, yeah. But th- that was just like he-, he he shouldn't have led with his face mask on the play, obviously, <laughs> but it's like in the in the throw of things that yeah. I hate the penalties like the Aaron Robinson penalty against New England in preseason where he's standing uh, over the, like like stuff yeah, like that. that. Yeah,
2: yeah, we haven't had any of those. So just ultimately a great conversion. Looking back on it, I really feel like that was an excellent play by Jones to hold the safety and rip that ball in there. So great conversion. This is the are we onto the second and nine here? Uh, oh, this one was it. Or...
1: Yeah, this is the second and nine. Oh, screen one, to Daniel Bellinger, a
2: huge gainer. Look at it from the sideline view.
1: Which says a lot too, Dan. And, Gosh, I, and I tweeted this. Play call. Yeah, I, I tweeted this. How many plays are the Giants scripting for their rookie tight end in the red <laughs> zone? Can't. It's kind of crazy, can't. man. It says, says a lot about the trust that they have in Daniel Bellinger. But I like yep. this play call because you have a three by one set with the one being the nub. And that's where the tight end is the tight end in line. He's attached to the formation. He's going to be the, the primary receiver on this tight end screen. But you take Saquon Barkley and you expand him towards... Daniel Bellinger's side which is the boundary side so at the snap Saquon Barkley is outside of the numbers and that's going to remove the middle linebacker from that side of the field if Daniel Jones was able to complete this pass which he wasn't it was batted by Devondre Campbell at the line of scrimmage but if he was able to complete this pass you don't have a lot of guys for the Green Bay Packers to to make this play you have three blockers in space and I feel like Daniel Bellinger might get into the end zone here or at least he gets to like the within the three yard line
2: yeah, I think this is a potential touchdown if he gets the ball out to him and it's not tipped because he's going to have Andrew Thomas in front of him and Feliciano, and at that point, there's a safety who could potentially crash down and help, but they're, they're going to take away that one defender you can see in the screen, and it's pretty much just going to be if Feliciano can locate that safety and take him out of the play, but I just love the play call here where they have the empty, they have the, the fast go, and they have Barkley moving in motion, going to the left, takes out the linebacker. They looks right, and then he comes back to the left. It's just so well-designed. There's so much eye candy going on on this one. It's really tough for the defense. And one thing I will say about this play is keep an eye on what happens when Saquon Barkley goes into motion to the left, what happens to number seven on this if you're watching along, but the linebacker on the inside because the Giants are going to notice that too where he goes and they're going to take advantage of that on the very next drive. And that's part of what makes Mike Kafka so special right now. And Brian Dable, I don't know who's in charge of that it might be something even Dable sees. It's hard to know, but it's just constant where they're seeing things. The defense is doing and adjusting to it on the fly.
1: Sets up the quarterback draw yep. for later. Like you said, man, and then that sets up this third and nine slant to Darius oh, at yeah. this point. Dan, I'm like, okay, we'll get a field goal. It it sucks. I I was like, are they really going to convert a third and long
2: again on this drive? Especially in the condensed area in the red zone, it's really even harder once you get to like this 15-yard line that they're at. And we talk a lot about spacing and how routes kind of feed
1: off of each other. And I feel like that's exactly what happens here. The Giants line in a two by two set with Saquon Barkley in the shotgun to the boundary side of Daniel Jones. But if you watch the spacing and where these wide receivers are aligned, it's not just like a two by two set. Everything is symmetrical. You have Tanner Hudson, who is aligned on the hash. And then you have Darius Slayton, who is about five yards outside of the numbers. And that's really important here. And the Packers come out and they Have Eric Stokes just basically in a press alignment on Darius Slayton, but the next closest defender is just outside of the hash, about seven yards off of where Tanner Hudson is. And what Mike Kafka designs here, he has Tanner Hudson release off the line of scrimmage and basically run directly at that defender. And what ends up happening is three defenders are occupied with Tanner Hudson, which allows Darius Slayton the space to win inside on this slant. And this is the third and nine conversion to Darius Slayton. But the reason why he's open here, all he has to do is beat Eric Stokes is because of Tanner Hudson's route. Cause that occupies Quay Walker and that occupies that apex defender and that occupies the safety little things like this mean a lot in football. And we did not see any of this stuff last year, but it goes a long way. And it went for a first down here and also great finish by Slayton.
2: It's an incredible finish by Slayton for a lot of reasons. One, the throws, the pass is thrown short of the stick. So if he just catches it, even and gets hit to the ground, there's no first down. He catches it, stays balanced, stays on his feet, and then rolls forward for the first down. Picks up an extra two or three yards there. Two, we always knock Slayton, let's say, or not we. Some people always knock Slayton for, oh, my God, he has all these drops. Think of how difficult this catch is. He knows he's being led into a hit right there from the from the defensive backer, from this linebacker, number seven there. And he knows that he's going to have to take that hit through the catch point, and he's going to have to hold on to football. He does all of that despite getting hit right on where it, his right shoulder where he has the football in his hand, and then stays on his feet, stays balanced, and rolls forward and turns it into a first down. So an incredible individual play from Darius Slayton. I love the little nuances you pointed out to be able to get him that you know, opportunity for the space. But after that, he has to make the catch with a guy bearing down on him sandwich, sandwich between two defenders, catch through the hit, and then also spin forward for the first down
1: let's pay attention to Daniel Jones's eyes here. Daniel Jones catches a snap and he slowly turns to get to Darius Slate and his eyes go right to Darnell Savage. And he's looking at Savage right there. He's looking at Savage until he hits the back foot. And that's when he flips his shoulders and his feet to Darius. These little things that Daniel Jones are doing on these more pure pocket type of passes. They're very underrated. There's something that I, I personally did not realize until I started diving into the all 22. So I really wanted to applaud Jones for that.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you said it because that's been there's been multiple examples now of him doing a great job holding the safeties or holding the linebacker, like you said, in that case with his eyes. And that's what we want to see. I love any of those plays on film where you see the quarterback looking in one direction the whole time, snapping back to the other side and ripping the ball and being right about that decision to snap back because when you do that, it makes you really hard to defend as a quarterback because you make you're, the defense is watching your eyes. that's how they, that's how they do it. And if your eyes are going in the direction where the ball is not eventually going to go and you're able to snap back, rip that ball with accuracy, timing, velocity, and again, make it be the right decision because you, you could throw you could rip, flip your shoulders back and rip the ball and it could be an interception if you don't have the right read. Um, but obviously he's doing a really good job of that. And so that was a great point by you.
1: And he's holding defenders in spaces that are going to optimize his wide receivers and allow them to make an easier catches to not get them killed over the middle of the field. And there was one play, I think it was own read to Brita. So this sets up the second down double reverse touchdown pass option to Daniel Bellinger Again, (laughs) Daniel Bellinger, again, you have Saquon Barkley, like they're lucky the Giants, Dean Lowry did not make a play right here because I feel like if Jason Garrett tried to design this
2: play, this, oh this is getting God, blown up. This is up. a fumble. This is a guaranteed fumble. If Jason <laughs> Garrett designs this play. I've already said. I think we had this happen once, and he fumbled. And so
1: well, there was fumbled. there was a couple different times. I remember against the Denver Broncos, Von Miller blew up a play. It wasn't like this, but it was a similar play where you're just trying to run past an unblocked end man on the line of scrimmage. And Von Miller was like, nah, son, like that's not going to happen. But you can see right here, this is a double reverse. Daniel Bellinger gets this and Tanner Hudson is open for a brief second. And Daniel Jones is also running a route in the end zone. And Daniel Bellinger said after the game that he was thinking about throwing the football here. Like, you could see right here. He also has throw. Sills. Yeah. Or Jones. Sills. He really
2: could go either way with that.
1: I'm telling you, man, like we give Sills a lot of crap and you know, rightfully so he, he's not. He's, he's not the type of wide receiver that you traditionally think of in terms of the fact that he can create all this separation and make these highlight type of plays. But man, is he he's similar to Daniel Jones in the fact that he's just incredibly <laughs> tough, man. He's yeah. just an incredibly tough player. Like right here, he doesn't try to like run and, and present himself as a receiver to get a touchdown and get all the glory. He goes and he takes on a 255-pound linebacker and, and, and throws a lead block for Daniel Bellinger and then watch him celebrate. That says something right there, man. Like This, this guy throws a lot of these tough, little gritty type of plays like that.
2: Yeah, and I don't know why I said um, Sills earlier. I meant Tanner Hudson was the other option for the pass here. I mean, he has an option here, Bellinger, on this comeback here to throw to, to Hudson right there, try to go the wide throw to Jones, which is going to be a more difficult throw for a tight end or to do what he did, which I think was better, show his lateral agility because this is good, really good lateral change of direction here from, from uh, Daniel Bellinger, and that's something, you know, he had that huge RAS score, which some people question, but look, look at him stop, cut back inside, and get there. He does a really good job here, in my opinion, as a bigger guy, just changing direction and stopping his momentum, which is obviously on a full reverse going to the right. He already has to evade that first tackle. Flashes that ability to, again, just ground himself, get forward laterally, and then get the touch. And ultimately, I think that was the right decision, but I do love the fact that there are options for him there. He can throw the football if there's nowhere to run with it, which is just an amazing thing to bake into a play call.
1: I also love the fact that earlier in this game, they scored a trick touchdown to Mercedes Lewis, the Green Bay Packers did. So now the Giants are like, oh, really? Okay, you guys wanna run a little trick play? (laughs) Well, we got a little trick play up our sleeves and ours is a rookie. Ours isn't 37 freaking years old, like Mercedes Lewis or whatever the hell he is. So I I appreciated the little little pettiness there, even though I know that wasn't the reason why they called this. This was just another well-designed
2: play by Mike Kafka and Brian Dable. Yep, so now 1710 Packers at this point after the Giants strike back with a touchdown. They get the ball back, and they go on an 11-play, 56-yard drive that ends that gets stopped up and ends in a field goal. At that point, it was actually 20-10 to 10 Packers, so it was really important for them to get some points on the board. This was at the start of the third quarter. There's still a chance for the Giants to be kind of knocked out of this game if they didn't score points. And so they get on here with an 11-play, 56-yard drive with a field goal. It starts off here with a sack that was actually negated by a defensive holding and it went right back to first and 10. And this
1: is actually the trap block that I was talking about. This ends up just being a five yard rush by Saquon Barkley, but we could see the trap element right here. If we watch, 68, avoid the contact right there from number 90. Number 90 goes for the contact. 68 goes, nah, I'm climbing up to number seven. And then you just have Mark Lewinsky pull around and then just make contact with him. It's not the most powerful trap block. Sometimes you'll see like trap blocks. You're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just absolutely ear holes. 90 seems like he anticipates it here. He gets his eyes on 64 and then anticipates it. But yes, he does. but, But Lewinsky does enough. To, to at least allow Saquon Barkley to get a positive run here. You could see how 90 does a really good job at least getting himself back into position to make the play here on Saquon Barkley. But yes, this is the trap play that I was referring to before. I feel like the wham block that we're going to go over a little later was a little bit more effective, though.
2: And you could see how close the Giants are to springing something on a play like this. As you look through it, like... If that, if that trap block is a little more powerful and he's not expecting it, and if Neil does a little bit of a better job, in my opinion, on his block and his assignment, there is a nice lane for, for Saquon Barkley to cut back and just rip.
1: Exactly, and this is why you run a trap type of block because watch Ben Bredesen and watch Andrew Thomas. They both just basically run around number 90 like, like it's a yep. fork in the road type of situation. 68, look right there. As Saquon Barkley's hitting the hole, you have Andrew Thomas eliminating Quay Walker, and then 68 is positioning himself between... Devondre Campbell and the rushing path of Saquon Barkley. Evan Neal's getting pushed back by Dean Lowry a little bit. You don't love to see that, but you can see why the Giants would run a play like this. This is also a play that the Eagles run a lot. They ran so much trap against the Giants last season, and a lot of it was successful. That's why they ran for like 200 and something yards. But yeah, I think, I think again, we'll see a little bit more of this and hopefully it will spring a huge run. I think they're set up to be a very successful run.
2: Yeah, that one looks real close to me. Here they go. Like you said, they run. They run the wham here. Um, no, this I, isn't uh,
1: a this isn't a wham block. Okay. This is just a this is just a split zone. This is just a simple this split, is just zone, split
2: zone with with Bellinger coming back across. It's like the sniffer.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, you just go. That's the play that Kayvon Thibodeau got hurt by Thad Moss in the preseason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Now, play I'm thinking again, this play,
2: obviously, Bellinger doesn't execute this maybe as well as you're you're hoping he get, he would, because you're, you're hoping, even though, you know, it sounds bad because you don't want these guys to get hurt, but you're hoping he kind of chips him out of the play and takes them out. But I was kind of curious why. And maybe that's the part of the reason why. But I feel like Saquon Barkley, if he plans and hits that cutback lane, he could really potentially take this one.
1: Yeah, that seems like it was probably the, the best option right there. It looks like he sees Andrew Thomas and Ben Bredesen. Andrew Thomas has great leverage right, on Dean Lowry nice, here. Yep. And Ben Bredesen is, is climbing up to Quay Walker. And then you have David Sills against one of these two. So I think that's what was going through Saquon Barkley's mind. But John Feliciano kind of loses to the outside there yeah. a little bit. And then Andrew Thomas gets stacked up a little bit here. Dean Lowry, I feel like does a really good job keeping Andrew Thomas off of them and then just anchoring down and making this tackle, which is a very, very good play by 94 from the Green Bay Packers. And then Saquon Barkley just never quits. He ends up picking up a few extra yards here. I think it only ended up going for like a two-yard gain, but it could have been even worse than that. But it's set up this third and three play and this is Dan. this so there's two plays on this drive that when i was watching and i saw the formation i was like i know what play they're gonna run and this is the first time it's happened damn. this season so it took me to to week five i was like this awesome, is gonna be the, this is gonna be the mesh wheel and i texted you and i was like and then a little bit later in the drive they run a quarterback draw and that one was really obvious because it was the fast three or whatever it yeah. was and i was like oh man they're running quarterback draw here and the packers are not going to anticipate it and exactly we were right but if we watch this right here Look, Darius Slayton, when he motions back towards this bunch right here, towards this stack to create a bunch, the Giants run mesh. They've done this. This is one of the main passing plays that they run. They love to run it against man coverage. This is more of a zone look. They have the mesh with Darius Slayton being the mush, Marcus yeah. Johnson being the mosh, and then the OTB from Richie James with a seven route or an out route or a streak. They they run it a little bit different with, with the uh, tight end there, and then Saquon Barkley running the wheel. And this is a great play by Darius Slayton, man. Jair Alexander anticipates. This. this is a really good play by Jair Alexander to almost break this up, but Darius Slayton, man, you going to talk about just a tough play. That throw is behind him and he makes the catch and he runs through the contact and he picks up extra yards to convert on a third and three. That's one of those low key plays in the game that that could have been one of the main reasons why the giants end up winning here.
2: And Slayton does a really good job after the catch here to kind of break yeah. free from that, like arm tack, whatever you want to call it when he's grabbing on the Jersey and create, you know, an extra five, six, seven yards after contact.
1: Ben Bred- this is ugly with Ben Bredesen, man. Oh, yeah.
2: Real ugly. It was not a good game for Ben Bredesen at all. Look at how quickly Bredesen gets beat on this one. Woof. You're watching along on YouTube.
1: That's 2020 Shane Lemieux type stuff. Like, Bredesen goes to punch... <laughs> that Bredesen goes to punch with his outside hand and, and 90 just kind of like uses a, a SWAT arm over. that doesn't even look all that efficient, but it's just effective because the pure power of number 90 to like lift Bredesen off the ground and just throw him inside. It was a really bad rep by Ben Bredesen. Evan Neal gets kind of, pushed back back against Rashawn Gary, Rashawn Gary hits him with an inside long arm and then lifts him up a little bit to Evan Neal's credit. He's able to clamp down, get both hands back inside and then kind of just push him and flatten his path. So he doesn't really get into the pocket, but either way, the pressure was there from Rashawn. That's not
2: quick game. The pressure is getting there. Yep. So not a great rep from those two, obviously, but it it worked because they were able to run a good route concept. It got open and Jones threw it on time and Slayton made a good play there. Also love the motion.
1: They motion Darius Slayton on
2: that play from
1: yes. from the one side all the way out wide outside the numbers and then back to the stack, like we said. And that set up this first and 10 play action Yankee concept that ends up going for 13 yards to Darius Slayton.
2: This was excellent.
1: Another good play right here. Yankee concept, something that's very commonly run against Wink Martindale's defense because it works really well against middle of the field, closed type yep. of looks. And right here, you just have Marcus Johnson. Again, you could see his speed right here. He's the speed element. He's the one who's supposed to stretch He's the, the field. Too. Yep. He's the clear out exactly to open up this area of the field for those watching Can't on YouTube.
2: That Can't run that with Galladay.
1: Exactly. So yeah, Marcus Johnson just accelerate and that clears Jair Alexander out. And you can see number 31, Adrian Amos, pay attention to him as well. Pay attention to Marcus Johnson, that is. So now you have Darius Slayton against that that initial field side safety, but Darius Layton's running into space. That safety cannot get to that hip in time. Devondre Campbell's also the underneath defender. He's occupied by Saquon Barkley off of the play action, just kind of yep. going to the flat. So all of these routes, man, all the route concepts within this offense, they work off of each other to optimize the best play, depending on whatever the defense does.
2: And back it up a little, because Yankee is one of my favorite route concepts. And like you mentioned, people it's use two man it- route,
1: concept by the way, too
2: two-man round concept, which is we saw a lot of in this game. And so you said, you know, it beats Wink Martindale's defense a lot when he goes middle of the field close. That's the same thing as, you know, when we talk about Wink Martindale running a lot of cover one with one high safety. So explain what the Yankee concept is to anyone who might not know.
1: Yeah, so I didn't say it beats it. I said it it, it beats cover one type of defense or middle of the field close. That's typically ran to take advantage of middle of the field close type single high safety defenses. Basically, it's a deep over route and then a clear out is either a, a really, really deep post route because you want to really occupy that safety or a vertical. Essentially, it's just a clear out with a deep over route and it's two man route concept. Whatever that safety reacts to, you can connect essentially depending on how the other defenders cover it. You can connect with the other route concept. And I so, like it so much I, because
2: it puts that safety in conflict.
1: Yes. Ideally, you want one of these defenders to drive down on Darius Slayton. You want this safety to be paying attention to Darius Slayton, drive down, and then you have Marcus Johnson running a deep post with a defender who has outside leverage. Now, the safety doesn't typically make that mistake, but it's happened plenty of times throughout the NFL, but that's what you want to happen. But if that doesn't happen,
2: you still have a play as such where... Yeah, exactly. Great. Very it's a great. Component. It's a great freaking route concept. I love when teams run it. I'm happy the Giants are running it in general. I'm happy the Giants are running a lot more concepts that involve clear out routes because I always felt like that was missing from the last offense that they were running. Um, And just a good to see because it helps them in a lot of ways. Yeah. And then we have these, these
1: two plays that I think are identical other than the motion. Yep, It's just like split zone type plays right here with, with Daniel Bellinger coming across the formation that sets up this third and four. And this is where Barkley is going to motion out. You see Devondre Campbell right here. He goes with Saquon Barkley, right? So the Giants going to go last with-
2: drive. And we knew that was coming. Yep. Quarterback draw. Just use easy, easy third and four connection here for the Giants. Just take free yards. Great pickup here by Mike Kafka. He saw in the last drive that if he puts Barkley in motion, the linebacker is going to leave that box clear zone for for jones now he did try to run draw twice more in this game and it didn't work um the Packers adjusted well to what the giants did but here was the first one and it was a nice freebie and it's a
1: clutch third and four conversion
2: by daniel jones who is hobbled to set up a first and
1: 10 rpo that ends up just going for a handoff right here and it gets bottled up you have a flat seven route right here. This is the play that the Giants have run basically every week, I think since week two, only this time Daniel Jones handed the football off. So if Daniel Jones, if this defender right here, for those watching on YouTube, the MN on the line of scrimmage, he stays disciplined here and he doesn't allow Daniel Jones to go into the pass or the run option part of this for himself. So what does that allow Daniel Jones to do? He's like, okay, that backside pursuit defender is not crashing down the line of scrimmage. I can hand the football off to Saquon Barkley, but if for Sean, Gary crashed down the line of scrimmage. Daniel Jones is keeping this football running laterally down the line of scrimmage with David Sills running the corner. And I think that's Tanner Hudson in yep. the flat. So we've seen that play and we have broke that play down several times. The Giants get like nine yards off that play. The Giants had success against the Cowboys with that play. They had success yep. against Carolina with that play, Chicago. So this time they ended up handing the football off, but it's still something that Mike Kafka is going to, to provide Daniel Jones, plenty of options within one play to move the football.
2: Yeah, I love that. I love how he broke that down because it's such a nice, nice little thing. I thought this was a really good play call here. It was pretty it was pretty simple, but a great job to get the ball out there and really good job by Sills post-catch. You don't see Sills make too many plays after the catch. Here he does.
1: Yeah, man, he just walks the tightrope tight, tight, tight right here yep. up the sideline. Essentially, what happens is to the field side, the Giants run a two-man route concept with Tanner Hudson, who was the outside receiver on the numbers. He's going to release into Eric Stokes, Stokes, and he's just basically setting a pick for David Sills to release vertical initially and then work underneath the release of Tanner Hudson because the Packers, like they've been doing all game, they have off leverage on the number two receiver. It's something they did all game. And the Giants, similar to what the Packers did against Wink Martindale's defense a lot, just took what the defense was giving them, and that's exactly what happened here.
2: Just take what the defense is giving you. Every time I see, man, this goes back to my old school days of following the Giants before I did any of this film stuff, man, when I was watching the old, like, Perry Fuel. No, it wasn't even Perry Fuel, the Tim Lewis defenses. Do you remember Tim Lewis, the Giants defensive coordinator? I do, yeah. I, I've i just never been a fan of teams who use a lot of off coverage. I don't really see the point of it. I don't understand it at all. I know in an ideal world it can work. Obviously, there's, there's a reason these defensive coordinators are using it. But I felt like it was a big factor for what the Giants were able to – the Giants took advantage of the Packers playing so much off coverage in this game a lot of defenses and daniel jones takes a shot
1: here but a lot of defenses align when they're when they're not quite in the red zone but if they're on their side of the field within mm-hmm. the 40 yard line to to the red zone they, they align an off coverage a lot they don't want to get beat at the line of scrimmage resulting into like a you know 35 yard right. touchdown pass so they'll play top down and they'll surrender you know two three four yards here to try to set up what would be a third and manageable force a a field goal attempt rather than Allowing an explosive, but let me
2: ask you this in this specific matchup, when you're facing a Giants team that hasn't really beaten anybody over the top of the passing game, does it even make sense to kind of be so worried about that?
1: Not not as much, I I guess, just because you don't have receivers who are lightning quick with their release package. You're not going up against Justin Jefferson. You're not going up against Devontae Adams.
2: You could recover against these receivers for the most part.
1: For the most part, yeah. But regardless, it seems like the Packers stayed pretty true to, to this style of defense. They were doing yeah. it at the top of the screen
2: as well. As you right. can see, they're, they're all about you know, so six off yard yards off. It's crazy. And you know what? You've seen a lot this week. I've been just reading some of the blurbs and some of the blogs. That, like. There's a lot of people who are calling for, I think it's Joe Joe Barry's his name, right? Or Joe, Joe Barry, yeah. Joe Barry. Like There are a lot of people calling for his head right now. And there's a lot of like... There's a lot of negativity surrounding him as a defensive coordinator. I mean, this Packers defense is way too much talent to put together what they put on film, at least against the Giants. I haven't watched them yet this season. We obviously know they got destroyed by the Vikings in week one and by their passing game. But, man, they have so much talent on the defense side of the ball. It's wild to me. That's
1: something that a Dusty – I'm not sure if we said it on the podcast, but Dusty, who we had on here – he yep. he was mentioning how they they align a lot in off coverage the Green yep. Bay Packers so it's I'm glad that the Giants were just taking what they were giving you know they weren't yep. trying to force anything just just play smart football take what's there and then live to fight another day but that set up this third nate quarterback draw with who the best lead blocker in the NFL Matt Breida throwing yeah. the block <laughs> but yeah. it, ends, it ends up getting tackled because Evan Neal. Just loses to Rashawn Gary again. Rashawn Gary, man, that, like just watch how he moves i know on this play. Rashawn Gary swims inside on Evan Neal here, and this is a weak side quarterback draw to Evan Neal's side, and is going <sighs> right to the B gap. But Rashawn Gary just makes contact. His arms, the his change arms of the change direction. Arm, the change of direction in the arm length. Rashawn yeah. Gary, I think he has like you know like long arms, but it's not like Jason Pierre-Paul. It's not like the longest arms in the NFL, but they look substantially longer. Do they not?
2: Yes, they do, and he uses them really well. And he was a player the Giants love, by the way, during the pre-draft process. He was linked to the Giants a lot that draft. They didn't ultimately have the opportunity to draft him, but he's obviously now having a breakout season for them. Anyway, they settle for three here at the Giants after that third and eight draw goes awry. And so now the Giants are at 20 to 13. We got ourselves a game. We're back in within one score, and despite at one point feeling like, you know, they weren't going to be in this game, And then the Giants have that key play on defense, which we'll go over tomorrow, where Gavon Timbittal rushes up the arc, Rodgers kind of has to take a step forward, and Dexter Lawrence makes a great inside move to get the sack. So they, instead of getting a field goal, the Packers punt it all the way down to the nine-yard line. That's where they down it. So now the Giants take over from their own nine-yard line, 20 to 13, in a game where it could have been 23-13 if they don't sack him, get him out of field goal range. This is a key drive in the game. On the very first play, Saquon Barkley gets injured and is out for the rest of the drive. Which is insane
1: to think about. Like, if what would
2: the odds be in Vegas? Sam? Yeah, I'm if them now going you, for a touchdown, right?
1: If, if them going for a touchdown without Saquon Barkley, and I actually really like this play call right here. You Same. have Saquon Barkley as the number three empty formation. He's off the line of scrimmage, close to Daniel Jones. They're basically both aligned on the hash, and you just run him down the line of scrimmage with two lead blockers just stock blocking. It's just Devondre Campbell does a really good job matching Saquon Barkley here. He covers the ground and he ends up making this tackle. Takes a really good angle, and unfortunately, unfortunately, Saquon Barkley ends up getting hurt and w- when i saw him laying on the ground like he was right there dan i was like oh no like <laughs> this could get ugly real fast
2: yeah this we obviously can't afford that right now or at any point the way this team is built right now in offense but yeah they come right back to this play right after it to matt brita this was an excellent play on a second and 11 this was one of the key plays of the game in my opinion because if you're third and long backed up that far they're probably in my opinion i mean they're not going to Joe judge it they're not going to do the The victory formation, that's what I call the (laughs) Joe Judge on third and long from backed up. But they're probably going to run a pretty conservative play if they don't connect here for at least some yards. Instead, they pick up the entire first down here with this play call.
1: Yeah, and the play call is just a... Motion of David Sills. And then once David Sills passes the back of Daniel Jones, it's play action to Matt Breida, where Matt Breida basically doesn't even sell the play action. He runs directly into the flat. You just have Daniel Jones basically roll out with two receivers. Richie James comes from the backside, leaking into the flat with Matt Breida in the flat. Rashawn Gary, who is unblocked, sees Daniel Jones going to pass and he goes to attempt to make the sack but in doing so nobody is in the flat because eric stokes was following the motioning david sills so that little motion of david sills that you see right there and it seems the a to the play watch how eric stokes gets tight to the formation because he thinks it's going to be a run and that provides the space for matt burrita and richie james right there like little so things well and it's done. and then somebody else dan just takes a tumble right here watch you have the camera guy like the, oh, the guy no, holding another? yeah oh, oh poor guy I don't know what that guy's there to do. I'm, sh- I'm sure it has something to do with the sound <laughs> to keep the wind out, but the he's holding thing, that like, Yeah, yeah oh, he, oh. Get, he gets. You know Graham Gano is right there to pick him up though, so Ganeau's he has a there story. to
2: pick up the Giants' doctor too when he got knocked down. Gano is the pickup guy because I saw him pick up when Jones ran out of bounds earlier, and knocked him down. Gano is just there to pick you up if you get knocked down and you're doing a job on the sideline. Ganeau, cause I always wonder what these kickers are doing for most of the game, right? Like, it's not like, they don't need to meet with their coach and be like, "Did you see that on tape? Let's adjust to that." Right? Like, what do they do most of the game? I don't know. So now we know how we found out what these kickers and specialists do. They're there to clean you up, pick you up if you get knocked down and you weren't supposed to be. So. Good job on Gano. And he's, and he's damn good at doing it too. Yeah, there you go. That's two for two for Gano. So thank you, Gano. You probably helped out this guy's day. Um, now we roll into this play here. I'm trying to catch up on my sheet. Here
1: it's a it's there. a play action pass that Daniel Jones yep. picks up some yards with his feet. But the main thing here is a defensive hold on Richie James. And you're just gonna see if you're watching oh, on yeah. YouTube, Richie James gets dragged Mugged. to the ground. And you just see flags flying everywhere. Like Tom Brady got grazed or something like that. Like flags <laughs> raining on the football field and it was an obvious defensive hold. So I'm glad it was called Daniel Jones. Also, man, I feel like he does a really good job here, even though the really flags good job navigating
2: from, the pocket, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cause it's a play action pass, of course, cause that's seemingly all the giants run here and he steps up into the pocket and then he sees all the deep concepts in, and how all the giants or all the Packers defenders were taken out. So he just picks up like, uh, 10 yards with his feet, maybe like 11 or 12 yards with his feet here
2: and outruns Devondre
1: Campbell to the sideline. But the penalty is the main story here.
2: Let's flip it to the other view because I just want to show Jones on this because I thought this was one of Jones's best plays navigating the pocket. Not only does he good job to do a good job stepping up through the initial pressure here, I thought he does a good job right here of kind of shuffling and looking. It, it looks quick when you watch it there, but when you see it from the other angle, he's looking downfield. He's giving it an opportunity oh, yeah. to kind of make this throw. And he's like, you know what? quickly decides, I, I don't have anything there, which was the correct decision. There was nothing there to throw, and I can make a run. And he doesn't really – this was the first play where I was like, he doesn't look even hurt at all. Look at this run, man. He just gets – He's tra- fast, man. Yeah. I mean, this is an injured Daniel Jones. He's obviously not a hundred percent healthy, but just a great job here. Stepping up through the pressure, keeping his eyes downfield while doing it. That's the key here. Keeps his eyes downfield. Just, so just in case if something was open. Now, again, if you looked at it from the first view, which we showed, nothing is open, but if something was open, he gave himself the opportunity to make that throw before deciding to run it for 13 yards. And so that I thought Jones did an excellent job on this play. And he uses good timing too, Dan, right? Really ben
1: Bredesen. Ben Bredesen's beat basically right at the snap. Daniel Jones realizes that, steps up into the pocket, and then Andrew Thomas kind of loses a little bit inside to Jonathan Garvin right there. But luckily, John Feliciano does a very good job pulling Dean Lowry down. Like you could see it from the YouTube. John Feliciano basically reverse horse collars this guy. Like he gets Mm -hmm. his fingers right into where the where the shoulder pads and the neck meet, and he just pulls Dean Lowry to the ground and falls on top, almost like a snatch and trap. Only, you know, could, could have been, been a hold. No, it could have been a hold, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Daniel could have been a
2: hold, but I guess we got away with one there, and it was kind of past the play. So, and we'll good take, on we'll Andrew,
1: take good take on exactly, and good on Andrew Thomas to at least hold Garvin just long enough to allow Daniel Jones to evade an escape right here.
2: It was another ugly, ugly rap from Bredesen. It sucks because we had been building a decently, not a steady drum beat with Bredesen, but he had been playing pretty good the past couple games before the injury and he came back to play to this game and this was arguably his worst game of the season. So just not that steady, linear incline for Bredesen. It was like two good games back to back after some struggles to start and now back to a really bad game. So difficult to see, not what you want. Maybe they ultimately make the switch to go to Azudu, but also this could open up the opportunity for them to switch back to Lemieux when he gets healthy as well. I feel like that left guard situation is far from settled right now.
1: I a hundred percent agree. And I actually like that fact. Obviously you want the continuity, but you also want the best player out there and you want these guys to consistently fight for it. Not that they would get lazy and not fight for it, but I like the fact that they have three options that don't make you sick. I think that's a solid place to be in. And right here, John Feliciano loses bad, but I love how Matt Breida gets gobbled up here, but somehow he shrugs this 315-pound Damn. dude off of him. I don't know how Matt Breida was like 190 pounds soaking wet, or at this least he looks like crazy. is able to do that. Now he doesn't get anything; he actually loses a yard on this play. But for those who are are listening, basically Matt Breida is wrapped up, and he just kind of like shimmies his body, and and then Big slate and just falls off of him. Number 93.
2: Now we move to a second 11 play. This is a good play for the offense on this play. There were actually multiple options for Daniel Jones. I like the one he chose, but, and this is just a, a simple, what curl flat here, uh slant flat. W- what is this here? This concept yes. here on the left side. Yes, so the
1: giants are aligning in a three by one set with the wing back and the three receiver side is to the boundary. So essentially they're just going to run Matt Breida out to the flat, which is going to expand Quay right. Walker and create a throwing window for Marcus Johnson. goes. Who does just a very good job just running a little button hook just a little curl against what dan off leverage so all you all have right. to do with are daniel jones is wait for quay walker to pass through the throwing window to match matt Breida, and then just deliver the football to a wide open marcus johnson who even has the ability to turn around and face adrian amos who was in off coverage
2: now i will say this run it back okay this is kind of one of those plays where i feel like okay jones knows he has this curl flat against this kind of off leverage so he knows he's going to have this easy solution but if he's going full, like if you look at it richie james also has an there's an opportunity there's a window to throw the ball in here to richie james here number 80 up top my i'm, I'm using my mouse and it's not doing anything so but if you're watching on the I play, I don't
1: think richie james would have been open if he didn't throw the football to Marcus Johnson
2: that's though. a good point too as you watch the rotation yep
1: yeah so both of those safeties come down once the football that, that this is just a quick decisive decision yes by daniel jones
2: to take advantage of it's the right one like you said he throws it to the he notices the leverage pre-snap knows the concept there that he has the two-route concept and he gets it in there and what does it end up being result in what is it eight yard gain
1: yeah that was a second and 11 and now it's third and four so seven yard gain and the giants align in two by two set double stack here on the third and four on the third and four and we can watch it right here Daniel Bellinger just ends up getting open again. This is another spacing, horizontal spacing type of concept. But I think my favorite, one of my favorite routes of the game, to be honest, and it's not because it's overly explosive, but it just created the, the window for Daniel Bellinger is the pivot route run yes. by David Sills because the two by two set, The two receiver set at the top of the screen, the boundary side is David Sills as the inside receiver with Daniel Bellinger as the outside receiver. So David Sills is going to run a pivot route where he fakes inside and then he pivots outside. And Daniel Bellinger is going to go around that release and then settle right into the middle of the field where there's this open void. And there's really no one for the Packers to cover Daniel Bellinger because Jair Alexander is playing so far off of him because the underneath defender is Devondre Campbell, as you can see. But Devondre Campbell is going to match what David Sills is doing. David Sills opens this window by running this route. This window is closed with Devondre Campbell in the position that he's in until David still starts flowing laterally. And once it starts flowing laterally, Devondre Campbell matches him, goes with him. And then Daniel Bellinger just sits and makes this catch to move the chains like little things like this, man, a little subtleties, they go a long way. And also on the backside, Richie James runs just like a little button hook, just a little curl to occupy Quay Walker. And then you have a deep safety who is like far off of Daniel Bellinger. So the routes that are adjacent to Daniel Bellinger is the reason why Daniel Bellinger is open here.
2: And I'll say this, Nick, this is just my opinion of it. I think this is more on the design than the player. Like that whip route by Stills is like, I think you can have anyone running that route and still can occupy it the linebacker pretty much and and to be quite honest I think someone's gonna most giants are gonna run this route better than sills to be completely honest like
1: yeah i'm not i'm not saying that Sills no, i know a you're not saying brilliant yeah. route I'm, I'm saying it was a brilliant design to, right, to right, remove right. an underneath linebacker there and also you have yep. matt breeder kind of running a a wheel route right there just to, yeah, to take away one more guy yeah look up. at the
2: other view the end zone angle watch daniel jones's eyes on this one he does another it's another good example of daniel jones using his eyes here
1: so Daniel Jones catches the football here and he looks first at Adrian Amos to see what Adrian Amos is yep. doing. To see if yep. Adrian Amos is going to go with Daniel Bellinger, but Adrian Amos handles Matt Breida who's flaring out. So he expands and you can see Daniel Jones looking at Adrian Amos and then he shifts his vision to Devondre Campbell for those watching on YouTube. And if you haven't seen this on YouTube, I, I implore you to, to go and look at it. It's going to be around the hour and 20 minute mark, maybe Maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more, but you could see Daniel Jones's eyes transition from Adrian Amos going through his progressions to Devondre Campbell. And that's when he knows Daniel Bellinger is going to be open and he sets, he squares, and he fires Ten just in time too. Because Evan Neal gets beat pretty bad by Breston Smith. I hate saying, saying that, Dan, but we're saying it a lot recently. Yeah, if we're gonna mean, be Evan honest.
2: Neal wasn't as good as we might have hoped here. That was one thing I guess we learned. You know, we we always talk about the positive things we learned on film. That was probably the negative thing I would say I learned on film. Evan Neal, I thought had a better game just watching the first time on broadcast than when you kind of look at it on film. Which so, is okay. I mean, there's there's still growing pains for him, um, but I just love this. Is just such a textbook quarterback play by Jones, like you said. First he noticed. First he looks off the safety and sees where he's going to be. Then he then he looks at the linebacker, sees where he's going to be, and then that allows him to kind of snap his head around, deliver that ball while the pass rusher is coming in on him. Like Evan Neal's dude, who is that? Rashawn Gary. No, it's Preston Smith. Oh, Preston Smith, another really good pass rusher. Has an opportunity to make a hit here. He does get in on Jones, it looks like. Um, so he has to get this ball off right before that. Great play by Jones here.
1: And Rashawn Gary against Andrew Thomas. That's if you want to watch an elite edge rusher against an elite yeah. tackle, you can see it. And Andrew Thomas does a good I'm mean, like he, he's wide with his hands here and he kind of clamps and tongs yeah, a little bit. But, I like that. But he anchors that. I mean, that's not great technique to be so wide with your hands like right there. Like you're lucky you're not getting called, but Andrew Thomas is so oh, good for with a his hold on that. Yeah, but he's not grabbing the shoulder pads really. Like he's still able, yeah, even though like he's wide, a- to kind of make you can see he's making contact with know, the delta. You know that
2: almost reminds me of uh, a Super Smash King K. You know when King K does the clap?
1: Yeah, exactly. it looks like.
2: the King K rule clap down, just the boom. <laughs> Andrew <laughs> Thomas is King
1: K rule right here, he and can he, anch- is-
2: he can certainly anchor like King K rule. Let me tell you that.
1: Oh, definitely! And look at this power! Look at this power move by Rashawn Gary right there. He tries to shed Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas is just so strong. His grip strength God, is so, so strong good, man. and he stays in front of him there. That's a lead against me. Right
2: um, I'm curious. Did you see uh, on Twitter, Brandon Thorne's evaluation of Andrew Thomas? I think it was from I last week. I did not. Okay. No, I did not. Well, okay, what was so, it? So his, his, his whole thing is um, he feels like, Thomas, we're not, he's not ready to consider Thomas anywhere near the elite. And it's just kind of like Giants fans being homers is basically somewhat what he was saying. Cause he was saying one thing with Thomas until he wants to be considered in that elite group, he needs to stop getting as much help. And he feels like he's still getting too much help to be considered in that elite group. And he also said like the run game stuff with Thomas really just started to come on this year. But even so, like that last part that he's talking about, I'm like, okay, well that I can accept. But like, if it is there now, which it seems like it is, he's, it seems to me like he's, he's doing a lot better as a run blocker can he be considered in that lane? And as far as the help, what are, what are your thoughts on any of that? I'm just, curious. yeah, in terms of the help, I just feel like the
1: giants do that on both sides. And yeah, it's not right. even just a product of, Hey, we need to help. Andrew Thomas It's more of a product of, Hey, Andrew Thomas is to the field side and we want the tight end to chip and release to the field side. Right. And I think that's more of the reason why it's more of a scheme thing rather than a, Oh, Andrew Thomas is a liability thing.
2: A hundred percent, because you see it throughout all the tape. We watch the Giants and we talk about on this podcast. A lot of it is they chip and release in these routes. And sometimes that, like you said earlier, on one of your plays. You broke down Nick that keeps the linebacker in or that keeps the second level defenders with their eyes on those players. And it doesn't allow them to maybe get as much depth. And then you could throw the route over the top. So it's also, part, like you said, it's a schematic thing that Kafka and Dable are obviously consciously doing.
1: Well, think about it too. What, what type of, plays are the giants running so much of right now it's these bootlegs it's these yeah. rollouts and sometimes they're going to roll out to andrew thomas's side and a lot of the times you want that chip and release guy to right. be right there for andrew thomas so you're rolling away from evan neal you're not going to give him the help in those specific plays right so that's an interesting take i i really respect brandon thorn's opinion on the offensive line i think he's one of the best to evaluate it and i'm interested to see if he changes his tune but i i don't think it's Actually, I know it's not because Andrew Thomas needs the help. Right. That's not the reason because you have a rookie tackle on the other side who I hate to say it but if we're just going to be about as objective as possible he needs the help. He 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 needs the help right now and hopefully that will right trend in the right direction, you know. Yeah, and I
2: right. wonder how much of that is just he's learning such a new way to play this position yes. in a new way. And that's it is what it is. I mean, if you know, if you let him go back to what he was comfortable doing at Alabama, Maybe that's good for the short term, but not good for the long term. And ultimately, the focus should be on what's the best for his long term development. And that's the decision the coaches have to make at some point. Like If he continues to struggle with what they're teaching, there may be a point that comes along where they're like, all right, Evan, I'm curious if you think this will happen, actually, Nick. Is there a point where that comes along where they're like, all right, we have to not teach him to do something different, but maybe adjust how they're coaching him? I think so.
1: Yeah. And I think yeah. that's coaching every single day. You're always trying to, you're not like, especially with this coaching staff, I don't feel like they're rigid, right? I feel like they'll always adapt their coaching methods and styles to to help their players reach you know, their maximum potential. So I think that's definitely something that can happen. And we know some of the issues with Evan Neal. It's, right. it's the leaning it's, it's the balance. And these are issues that before he was even a New York giant, we said he had, we're like, yeah, that can be exploited. And we even said at the beginning of the season, before we had any tape or any knowledge of what he was going to be in training camp or saying it could start a little Rocky. For Evan Neal, he's not going to hit the ground running. He's not that type of player. I just think he's going to eventually be a high floor NFL starter. I think that's who Evan Neal is. Somebody that you can look at and be like, I'm glad he's on our offensive line. He's not hurting us. But right now, he's too young and too inexperienced to be that. And he's still coming into his own.
2: Yeah, I think that's a very fair assessment. One thing I'm curious about... And we can move on after this, but one of the things we talked about in the offseason is like how Bobby Johnson teaches these offensive linemen to play. He wants them kind of, to kind of almost like attack and dictate, like it's almost like a run play. And does that kind of also in my head, I'm thinking that could also be part of the issue just for a player like Neil, because when you have the issue of getting off balance often, right, and being very top heavy, when you're trying to dictate an attack, that kind of lead, you know, you're moving your body forward in that direction. It's harder to stay on say ba- stay balanced.
1: I mean, yeah, but he's also losing in like traditional passes yeah, right, and, exactly. and, and, and like, you know, 45 degree sets where he's not necessarily yeah, yeah. dictating so much. He's losing in the run game when, when he's, oh, when the he's game is a supposed hole, to yeah. run block. Right. So like, I don't know if it's necessarily just that. I think it's more just to it than that. Yeah. I, th- I think he's just struggling. And yeah. I think that's going to happen for, for a lot of rookie tackles other than Fair. Charles Cross right now, it seems like and <laughs> and
2: and Lucas, Lucas has been really good too.
1: Yeah, they're killing it up there in Seattle. And oh, Geno man. Smith,
2: man, I had to tweet about him.
1: Some of the throws he's making, they're elite. You rarely see Nick Velato
2: ever tweet anything about any quarterback not named Daniel Jones I've been following this dude's Twitter your Twitter Nick for years I don't see you ever doing anything on the college guys I don't see you ever doing anything really on like uh, like a Mahomes or Herbert which sometimes I'll do from time to time or anyone will do because it's kind of fun just to watch quarterbacks and it's not because you don't like to or you don't enjoy no, it you're just very your your Twitter is very straightforward you're a blue-collar guy you know you wear <laughs> your tie to work you don't really get out of line ever on Twitter you never really tweet about anything but the Giants and then some occasional jokes you'll throw in there from time to time are just like things you observe but yeah when you're tweeting about a quarterback i take notice and and you tweeted the obvious one that throw by gene i mean she's silly Christ, that throw like <laughs> he's rolling to his left he doesn't even get a chance to fully flip his hips around wow. and still delivers that ball over the defender in perfect stride along the sideline like how the hell did he make that throw the way gino and the two the two deep posts to lock it we don't need to talk about too much about gino smith but it is kind of crazy because ben mcadoo at one point broke eli manning's Ironman start streak to start Geno Smith in a lost season. Like in his mind, he's like going, he's like, I'm Ben McAdoo. This is my team. I figured something out. Geno Smith has got some talent and like, is McAdoo not right to bench Eli because it was a lost season. It was a stupid decision from that standpoint, but was McAdoo right to kind of see something in Geno Smith. It's starting to look like, and obviously he has to continue this over the course of the rest of the season for any of us to ever take this seriously. Like if he does this for the rest of the season, I don't even know what to say or even what to make of this because there's no examples of this ever happening in NFL history. The only example I could think of, I think we might have talked about this I talked about this on a different pod, is R.A. Dickey from the Mets when he broke out late in his Dude, career. It's call. the only thing we can think of. And then he was never really great after that. He was never really elite after that. And I'm low-key, and again, we, we'll transition back to
1: the Giants, but I am low-key yeah. happy for so happy. This
2: is the best story and of the year by far.
1: It doesn't make any sense. Like The guy has two rookie tackles. Sense. Two rookie tackles right yes. now on a run-heavy team with no defense. So he's going to have to throw the football a lot, but he's doing
2: well. And and I couldn't be happy. Stepping up through the pocket and ripping a deep post to lock it, like on target, in stride. (laughs) What is going on here?
1: Between the Detroit Lions and and the Seattle Seahawks, like those defenses, they're they're, they're horrendous. They're some of the worst. Them this year,
2: dude, I am so excited. The Giants have that on their schedule. One of the things that I like, and we can transition transition back into some game film analysis, of course. But one of the things I'm so excited about is the Giants' offense is starting to make some progress, as we saw in this game. Like they're a really good offensive game, man. Like I said, they only they didn't punt after their first two possessions. That tells it all. But this is against a really good, at least talented Packers defense. They may not be playing great together right now for this coordinator or whatever. There's talent. They're about to get at some point, dude, they're going to get the Seahawks defense, which has no talent whatsoever left on that defense, especially with what's his name with Adams out. And then that Lions defense, which is an even bigger disaster. You love to talk off pod about how embarrassing that Lions defense, like Aaron That's Glenn. Terrible. This is going to be just He might be fired this season. And, in, I, he's in. He's and like,
1: I love Aaron Glenn. Like I watched a bit of Hard Knocks, and I was like, dude, this guy's yeah. legit as hell, man. I was like buying into anyway, it. I love Dan Campbell. I'm on Ross St. Brown's one of my favorite players. I think Aiden Hutchinson can be a yeah. stud. I love uh, Rodrigo, that rookie. I liked him in co- I liked him in yeah, college. We, I like I we were
2: thinking about we were thinking about Malcolm Rodriguez. We were like, yeah, he's undersized. Will he convert? Whatever, he would have been a good pick. But it's just crazy. They're going to get that defense. And I think as long as Ron Rivera keeps him on board, which I'm praying he does, Jack Del Rio to me is the single worst defensive coordinator employed right now in the NFL. There is a disaster and an embarrassment that he's still employed. It's total nepotism. It's shades of Hal Hunter being employed by. Patrick <laughs> day. It really is. And, and even worse, it almost feels like a, a, uh, what's his name? A Tom Quinn situation. The longtime time giant special teams coach just kept effing up. And oh man. Mara, nobody knows what's going on. He had something with Mara but The speculation is he had some photos. Of Mara. I'm joking about that. None of that is actually. On speculation. sound but, like my father. Yeah. yeah, I know that's like the classic conspiracy theory, but look, if he's there too, for these two giants games versus the Washington football team or whatever, the commanders coming up, that's four games where the giants offense can really get cooking in my opinion. And so I'm really Absolutely. excited for that. Absolutely. Before we get back,
1: I just wanted yeah. to ask your opinion, just because we brought up Carson Wentz so much on this yeah. podcast, the comment by Ron Rivera to say, what's the yeah, difference wow. between your team and the rest of the NFC East teams. And he just replies with one word quarterback. Like to <laughs> me, that like the it, that might be one reason why, but your defense is freaking horrendous, yeah. and you have the gall to say that. Like, what are you doing to Carson and Wentz? you supposed was, to be
2: a defensive coach, by the way, Ron
1: Exactly. And, and he's like, Carson Wentz is fragile. He's a what very fragile hard. mental person. Like yeah. the, the, Eagles, the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts. And mm-hmm. like, I, I followed like people like my, my friend, Michael Kist and all these guys who covered yeah. the Eagles, And like, they always would talk about like, dude, that's going to be terrible for Carson Wentz. But they liked it because they figured at this point, Carson Wentz was probably done and they were right. And from a right. mental standpoint, it just, it, the kid never recovered. And he ended up getting traded. and Now he's bouncing around and you're not even halfway through the season. And you're saying the reason that your team sucks is your quarterback. I'm like, dude, it's a lot more than just your quarterback, man. That was that was a bad comment by Ron Rivera. Surprising,
2: too. Really stupid comment by Ron Rivera. But I'll take all the turmoil I can possibly get from that Washington football team. I am almost disappointed we don't have those games coming up sooner. Like some of those are like toward the end of the year. I want it sooner because they're in full turmoil mode right now after a comment like that and just with the way that defense is playing. Holy crap! Is that defense? poorly coordinated okay back on track now we have this second and seven play call after the quarterback draw where again the Giants on first and then tried to run that fast four quarterback draw didn't work they get hit with this second and seven situation here um and we like what we see here from a play calling standpoint but ultimately there's really nowhere for Jones to go with the ball so he makes the correct decision and runs with it
1: Yeah, he makes the correct decision and runs with it. But I like the, there's the play action element to this with the end around. So you have the deception there, right? Because Jones is under center. It's just an offset. I guess you could say I formation because Tanner Hudson is acting as a fullback. So what you're going to what you're going to get here from Daniel Jones is going to go into the play action with Matt Breida and then the fullback Tanner Hudson is going to insert just like he's going to lead block. But he ends up releasing on a wheel route which I really like. And you also have the end around element from Richie James coming from the opposite side of the formation to hold the defense in place. So I actually really like this play design. It just Tanner Hudson's not creating too much separation against one of the better man covering tight ends and Devondre Campbell. I think the one window that might've been open that I'm glad Daniel Jones actually did not throw this football. Cause I think it would have been risky was Marcus Johnson. Marcus yeah. Johnson is up against Jair Alexander. Who's an outside leverage and he runs a dig route and he Flag- comes open girls. here. And I'm really glad he didn't throw this here because Quay Walker dropped to a depth. I think this really speaks to the development of Daniel Jones and the maturity of Daniel Jones here because that window might've been there, but there's no reason at this point of the game to risk it. So just use your legs to get the biscuit. Do not try and test a four, four athlete who is six foot four with a ridiculous wingspan and
2: Quay Walker, just pick up the yards that are there. And I'm really, uh, I I really think work back to make the tackle there. That's Walker, right? Yeah, yeah, number seven. So athletic, dude. This Walker kid is going to eventually be one of the better linebackers in the NFL. I loved him coming out of the draft. Thought he was worth a top 20 pick. That is freakish athleticism there to break back on that and make that tackle. Absolutely.
1: And to just drop to the depth to eliminate exactly, that. DJ. If he doesn't drop to that depth, then then Marcus Johnson's open there. And, yes. and Daniel Jones probably throws a football.
2: He's freakishly athletic and fast for a linebacker. He, the route, the the vertical he ran with Saquon Barkley earlier that we showed early in the game. That was wild to watch. And the size, man, too. Like and that size, yeah. It's just insane. It's,
1: it's just crazy. And here's just a, a small run. Daniel Bellinger. Love Daniel Bellinger. He gets mm-hmm. just
2: tossed aside by Preston Smith right here for like a two-yard gain on Saquon Barkley. I will say this on this play, though. Um, I thought if that was executed a little bit better, there was a really nice potential cutback lane for Barkley.
1: Oh, absolutely. Right here. Because right you have. These backside blocks, Chris Myrick, what does he do? He climbs up to the second level and then he locates Devondre Campbell with Evan Neal also coming off Dean Lowry. I think Dean Lowry the play went away, but I think Dean Lowry might've been able to, to cut off the angle, but you know, yeah. I'm going to bet on, I'm going to bet on Saquon Barkley in that type of situation. Oh, yeah. So,
2: And next up, Nick comes a play that I thought was one of the bigger plays of the game for the Giants and just the key play in why they won this game. This is the second and eight play action rollout. Love the design here. Little shades of Pat Shermer in the sense of having a half field high low read here for Daniel Jones, which he did a great job reading out during his rookie season. And the rollout is in this design as well with the play action from the shotgun. And he does a great job of, like you said on the last podcast, showing patience on his rollout. And then once he actually makes a decision to throw this ball to Marcus Johnson, this is a really good throw. It's harder to see on the all 22 as we have it up on, on YouTube. It's easier to honestly see on the broadcast, but he's throwing from an off platform. He's He's throwing rolling to his right off platform, and he gets really good velocity on this ball.
1: And you also see Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton clears all this out. You have the yeah. bunch with the wing to the, to the field side where Daniel Jones rolls, he clears out number 21, Eric Stokes takes the safety Marcus Johnson's coming from the backside. So you're using front side, you're using backside routes in in Daniel Jones progression right here. And I think Marcus Johnson does a good job just releasing to the middle of the field and then breaking and finding space between the clear out from Darius Slayton and these underneath defenders who are paying attention to Richie James basically ends up being off the play action rollout, a three level read right here with Darius Slayton. With Mar, uh, with Marcus Johnson, and then with Richie James, just chilling the flat. And I think you might be able to see it a little bit better here how he throws off balance yeah, on the he run. Just gets
2: really good velocity on that ball.
1: Yeah, this is a really good throw, and he waits for Marcus Johnson. Like, look right here, like he's waiting yeah, for Marcus Johnson
2: to get into that window,
1: that next get window. Yep, to get yep. in this window between twenty nine and Devondre Campbell, so he has these defenders kind of bearing down on him. You can see how Daniel Jones he does a really good job doing this too, man. He he controls his body really well when he is yep. on the run. Like he slows down here, he slows down, he waits, he waits, he waits, he extends, and then he delivers the football right before twenty one can go down and make a play on the ball.
2: Yeah, pretty good anticipation on the throw as well. Not not nothing too amazing, but pretty damn good. But the key there is the velocity and the ball placement stays on despite, you know, the higher velocity there. And like you said, just so much patience there to wait for him to get into that open throwing window. So great stuff all around. That what was a say? second.
1: In, that was a second and right. eight play to to set up this first and that first and 10 run that you just saw by Gary Brightwell ends up going for three yards. So that, that just ends up being a, a simple pin pull type of concept where you pull the backside guard here. And it, it goes nowhere because John Feliciano kind of loses at the point of attack a little bit to set up this second and seven, 13 personnel motion play action rollout to Chris Myrick that goes for four yards on a second and seven to set up the third and three.
2: You can see yeah, it right it there. Play a lot. It's worked a lot. This one didn't work as great. I think just overall, the execution wasn't as great as always. You can see that he doesn't come off the block that as fast. Myrick, as we've seen Bellinger come off of it, and he's a little off balance coming off of that. And so once he catches the ball, he has to regain his balance, which slows down his ability to kind of create some yards upfield after the catch.
1: It's not even just that, it's also just Rashawn Gary, the effort from Rashawn Gary yeah. from the backside to, to track him down. That like you true. you want Evan Neal here to to really just not allow Rashawn Gary to, to win true. inside at all because he's not even like it's not even a part of the play. Like Rashawn yeah, Gary really shouldn't
2: be making this play from where from where he starts. It's a great Look point by at-
1: you. Look at Andrew Thomas and, and Ben Bredesen comboing number 93 here. I'm just engaged with Ben Bredesen. No, I'm not. I am on the ground because Andrew Thomas just floored this dude here. You know what,
2: though? You're right, though. If he does, if if Evan Neal doesn't allow that backside pursuit here from 52, I mean, 52 really shouldn't even be in this play. shouldn't be making this play. That is probably going for who knows, because he's probably cutting upfield and getting vertical. And then you have 82 Bellinger in place the block down on 31. I don't know. That could have even been a touchdown.
1: It could have been the Giants' offense is difficult to defend in the sense that they can align in thirteen personnel in the red zone, and they have no issue throwing to these tight ends and right. and, take, and taking advantage of the fact that the team that the defense wants to stop the rushing attack, Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones' legs, and a lot of the time the Giants have Daniel Bellinger, Chris Myrick, Tanner Hudson coming open, and the Giants are getting a pretty solid athletic ability from their tight end position.
2: Jones on this play. This is medicine yeah. from the quarterback position. That is not as easy as it looks. If you're watching right now on the YouTube, that's something where a lot of you know the Eli Mannings of the world, or can't even run this play with an Eli Manning. First of all, but if you did ask him to run this play, he's taking a sack a hundred out of hundred times. There's no way he's flipping his hips back around of with that suit and making this throw. So that's something you gain when you have a Daniel Jones as your quarterback. Absolutely.
1: And another little part of this play. So for those who are listening. It's a play action rollout. The play action is to the weak side and the Giants motion Darius Slayton to that side. And that forces the linebackers to shift in that direction, which allows Chris Myrick just a little bit more space after he chips and releases Daniel Jones rolls out to his left and he has to flip his entire body around like Dan is saying here and then square up to throw this football like he's saying. It's a very athletic play from Daniel Jones.
2: Yeah. Really impressive game from Jones, so we'll get to that. I mean, we we don't usually typically do evaluation of the quarterback on this podcast, like grade 1 to 10, but this was, I thought, the best game Daniel Jones has played, potentially in his Giants career. I still think I'd go with the Tampa first week game, but after watching it on film, man, I don't know. There were very few. There were a lot of really good plays from Jones and just one play that I would w- want to have back. the whole The whole game, that one throw to Slayton is probably the only play I want back.
1: I'll say this. The Giants win this football game because of Daniel Jones. Like, Daniel Jones is a key reason why they win this football game. Now, if you want to be like, well, if they had Josh Allen, yes, of course. If they had Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, but still, like, Daniel Jones did everything that he could and everything that the coaching staff asked him to do and put this team into a position to win after they were down 17 to three. And then they actually won. It's not just like, well, they were in position to win like it was last year. And then, you know, something stupid happened. They jumped off sides. No, they actually won the freaking football game. Daniel Jones deserves a lot of credit
2: for that. In addition to that, when he lost his best player, the player who we've been saying is the entire offense, Saquon Barkley, That's when he had his biggest drive, the 11, you know, the 95 yard, 90, sorry, 91 yard drive, 11 plays, or it was 15 plays, 91 yard drive. And like we said earlier throughout this podcast, he did a great job manipulating the safeties and the linebackers with his eyes and also accounting for where they're going to be and what depth they're going to be at. He did a great job of using athleticism, like you're seeing on this throw right now to make the throw out to David Sills, the throw we had before the little pass back to Myrick using athleticism to kind of aid him in. The rollout game. Uh so overall, Daniel Jones had a really phenomenal game for the Giants. Like I said, this has gotta be for me either the first or one or two for the best game I've personally seen from Daniel Jones since he became a giant.
1: You want to know something I'm thinking about watching this play? This is the play action rollout with Gary Brightwell in the flat and then David Sills fake like he's blocking and then just presents himself as a target where Mark Sanchez is like, turn around, turn around. But Rashawn Gary is the player being blocked by David Sills initially. And then he sees Gary Brightwell go in the flat. So Rashawn Gary tries to throw a block on Gary Brightwell to to alter his space. And that puts Rashawn Gary on the ground and not Gary Brightwell. And that kind of opened the window for Daniel Jones to throw the football right. to
2: David Sales. So window Rashawn- is not going to be there otherwise. You are one hundred percent right about that.
1: Now it's plausible to surmise that Rashawn Gary would have kept expanding have with Gary yeah. Brightwell. But even so, like if you're if you're Rashawn Gary, you're laying on the ground after. Failing to knock Gary Brightwell off of his path, <laughs> and you look up and you just see the brown pigskin flying over your face, and David Sills is there catching the football. You're probably like, "Damn it,
2: <laughs> like I yeah, screwed up." They yeah. had two options because if you know if he doesn't go to Sills there, he could have probably hit Brightwell as well for a touchdown, maybe even two. Yep. And that sets up this touchdown run by
1: Gary Brightwell after the throwaway, I believe, right here, which yeah, I feel like again, this
2: good is decision. another game. nothing there.
1: Really smart play by Daniel Jones right here. You just have. Two wide receivers out here. You're just going to run a play action to Gary Brightwell. You're trying to get David Sills in the back of the end zone or Daniel Bellinger in the flat, and there's no reason to risk it. Just throw it to the 12th man in the back of the end zone, and then it looks like he hits the cameraman. I'm telling you, man, this was a rough day for the doctors and the cameraman. If you slow that hits the camera, but it just misses this camera
2: guy's face, and he's so nonchalant about it. And you know, if he had gotten knocked down from that throw that you would have seen Graham Gano somehow right by his side, pick him up.
1: <laughs> Graham Gano would have, yeah, he would have just appeared, man. It would, yeah. it would have just, it would just happened. Number yeah, nine,
2: was- picking guys up when they get knocked down on sidelines, but yeah, good touchdown run here from Brightwell.
1: Yeah. This is just a simple touchdown run where yeah. he's just hitting the a gap and the offensive line wins at the point of attack. It seems like, and Gary Brightwell just keeps his feet moving and you know, Gary Bradwell yeah, was somebody we didn't
2: even lockers coming in to push him in. I love a good push in from the blockers. I feel like the smart teams now, or I've, I've even seen some smart teams like motioning in like H back types or like bigger guys to kind of like their role is to push the guy through. <laughs> I just think like uh, to push the momentum forward. I want to see Dexter Lawrence do that. But look look who
1: the main guy pushing everybody is other than Evan Neal. Chris Myrick comes in last second yeah. and give yeah. that extra effort right there. Chris Myrick, dude. Again, all these guys are guys we didn't even think would make the team right Dan? And, and here they are. Yeah key contributors winning games against teams with one loss at the time
2: high effort players all right let's get to this final seven uh seventh drive the sixth play touchdown drive with Barkley uh at the end and this was the defining drive for the Giants this was when we know they had a chance to win this football game they went up here first down play call by the way it didn't work but I love this design I like this design a lot. And this is the first play that Saquon Barkley is back. You just come out and split
1: back with Matt Breida to your right, Saquon Barkley to your left. You fake a screen to Saquon Barkley and you throw the actual screen to Matt Breida. And this was one play where I was like, yo, this could have went wrong for the New York giants. And it could have been intercepted by Preston Smith right here. Like I'm not going to fault Daniel Jones for throwing this here, but Preston Smith is sitting and he reads this play. If Preston Smith, if you're watching on YouTube, doesn't take these two steps outward to, to just kind of match what Evan Neal is doing. This could easily have been an interception. He just misses not knocking this ball down.
2: Yeah. And it was obviously a play that wasn't executed the way the giants want, but I just like the idea of having the split backs here in the shotgun, having all, having the design look like it's going to go to Saquon Barkley, where all defensive tension is. And then coming back to a screen on the other side, screen didn't work really at all in this game. The Packers played screens really well, but before this game, the Giants have had some really good success at uh, running the screen game. Absolutely,
1: and then now we're going to get Saquon Barkley involved. Oh, yeah. So the Giants come out here and this is going to be the second and 10 goes 40 yards to Saquon Barkley, who was aligned off the line of scrimmage in a stack with Richie James. And basically what happens here is there's some sort of miscommunication between the linebackers, Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker, because Saquon Barkley, what a dumb juke that you just saw on YouTube. He jukes out Darnell Savage out of the dude's shoes right there. Guy is shoeless at the moment, but you could see Devondre Campbell make an under call to Quay Walker. But Quay Walker is occupied with Daniel Bellinger, who was in line right. on the field side of the formation. Daniel Bellinger just runs inside to occupy Quay Walker. And then you have from the backside Saquon Barkley run that drag route. For whatever reason, Devondre Campbell makes the undercall. Undercall does not hit. Quay Walker does not execute that. And then you just have 40 yards of Saquon Barkley. Excellent, man.
2: Yeah. And you know, it's subtle and it's not like the toughest throw in the world, but this is a good ball placement by Jones here. It's got good velo and good ball placement. And that's important on these routes. I know it's wide open. People will be like, don't credit this. This is a wide open throw. I get that. But if you throw this ball without great ball placement, it minimizes the potential for this for Barkley to take this after the catch. Barkley can immediately transition upfield and that little split second that he doesn't have to waste to get upfield. And obviously you're at the end showing that unbelievable cut juke by Barkley as it should. But I like the ball placement here from Jones.
1: Absolutely. I thought like, it was good ball placement and well-designed play. well, executed against a defense that seemed like it was a match type of defense. So you took advantage of the rules and uh, there was some sort of miscommunication. And sometimes, you know, scheming up miscommunications is, is it's definitely a skill.
2: Then wham. And I apologize to anyone who I just blew their eardrums out with that wham, but here comes the wham block, the very next play with Matt.
1: They say we have the wham block from Daniel Bellinger, who was initially the H back to the field. He's going to motion kind of right behind Chris Myrick and then right behind Evan Neal. The snap happens. And you could see if you're watching on YouTube, Mark Lewinsky does not go in block number 97, nor does nor does John Feliciano. So he's just penetrating upfield and he doesn't really see Daniel Bellinger until Daniel Bellinger makes contact, holds maybe a little bit. And then that springs this run right here. And you also get a pure clip by Darius Slate. And this should have been a penalty right there. Oh, yeah, that on, should, I was
2: looking at that and I thought that should be a penalty too. I was surprised they didn't call that. We got lucky with that.
1: On Darnell. Yeah, they got really lucky with that on Darnell Savage. But this was a, a 10-yard run by Matt Breida. And I also want to say, Evan Neal, you know, we've been, we've been knocking him. This is a really good block on Dean Lowry right here. Yeah locks him up just locks him up is ex- exactly he doesn't get too much push but he just locks him up keeps his feet moving breeder runs into his back and it's kind of like a fly like landing on like a, a person's face like you, you hardly <laughs> even like notice it a little bit breeder does a good job recollecting himself getting he north does. and south right
2: here and getting he, vertical and
1: then mark Lewinsky, it's a really who,
2: big run for them man like coming off that big play they get 10 yards they don't put themselves in a second long situation Absolutely.
1: And also, Dan, look, you throw that wham block, just like we were talking about before, both the guard and the center now can climb. So now you have Mark Lewinsky right on Quay Walker, right? You have Devondre Campbell occupied by John Feliciano.
2: I like like the way these wham block plays and these trap plays look like just from a schematic standpoint, when I'm watching them on film, like even the ones they didn't hit for big gains, or we want to call this a big game, whatever, 10 yard gain. They look like they had a chance to go if one or two things went right.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and I feel like it's something that they're going to probably continue yes. to add to their arsenal. I feel like it's it's definitely a great way to expand your rushing attack, and I think the Giants have the personnel to do so, and they have the tight ends who can throw these blocks and, and yes. do it at a
2: high level. And I love this call right after it here, too. Now, I thought, as I was watching this, and I'm curious to get your take on this, I was— thinking potentially Jones could try to bounce that outside because he has the block coming with the lead block. What were your thoughts on him cutting this back?
1: Yeah, for those on the podcast, this is the zone read play, and the Giants run rich games in motion right before the snap. Daniel Jones goes into the mesh point with Saquon Barkley, and then 55 uh, Kingsley and Igbari, the rookie out of South Carolina. He pinches pretty deep, so Daniel Jones decides to keep it with a lead blocker coming from the other side of the formation, Tanner Hudson. And Jair Alexander, I feel like, does a pretty good job
2: does, yeah. boxing
1: Daniel Jones back inside. But Daniel Jones takes a
2: hit Let's say he takes a juke. He, like If he just bounces and gets some depth and takes a juke, I don't know. I feel like if he has tries to take the sideline, knowing he has Hudson ahead of him, yes, Jair Alexander does a good job of trying to do everything in his power to make Daniel Jones try to go back inside. But I don't know if he's going to be able to get off a Hudson block.
1: Yeah, I don't know either. Especially because Hudson does a really good job, kind of taking Jair Alexander out here. I'm wondering if Daniel Jones kept if Daniel like Jair Alexander kind of sells out right here as Daniel Jones cuts back inside. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if that was a reason why Jair Alexander kind of gets blown up. Yeah, I think you're right.
2: He was off balance because he cut back. Yep.
1: Either way, I don't like seeing Daniel Jones taking shots back inside
2: and take a hit. Yeah, Uh, I don't. Amos. Amos blew him up here. Mark he Johnson. even slide if you're Jones there. Like, I don't know, or initiate a slide earlier. I don't know. I, I think part of the reason why I want him to cut that, to kind of try to get depth and cut that and try to get the edge to the outside is at least worst case, he'll get out of bounds and he won't take a hit.
1: Yeah, the taking the hit there. That That's that's pretty rough here. You just have a three-by-one set nub tight end who is in on the one receiver side, which is to the boundary with the running back on that side. And I feel like the Giants do a really good job running these these nub He's nub type of routes and then also having the running back
2: with a nub route. It's just
1: a tight end who's in line. So a tight end who is in line uh, attached to the formation with three receivers on the other side. So he's not split out or anything like that. He's right next to Andrew Thomas or Evan Neal, whichever side. We talk a
2: lot about three by ones on this. And normally what we're talking about is a formation with a detached tight end. When some teams have been typically, at least more recently, using the one being that tight end. And that's detached on this. When Nick's talking about the nub, it means he's in line, correct?
1: attached yes he's in line yep exactly like a lot of teams like the chiefs they'll use
2: the oh, three
1: yeah. by one detached with travis healthy as the one but what i love here is and i feel like the giants do a really good job with this is they'll use the running back to release to the side of the nub and basically they just have daniel bellinger who's a nub they just release him out and up just to create vertical separation right. and then they give matt Breida or saquon barkley this play is matt Breida, a choice type of route and matt Breida chooses to to go on an angle route here and it's not necessarily there because Quay Walker is, is kind of sitting in the spot where where I feel like Daniel Jones, if Daniel Jones looked in that direction, Quay Walker would have been able to eliminate Matt Breida. But I just like that option for Daniel Jones because that's I'll not- I'll say this,
2: Nick. It's, it's not necessarily there, but Justin Herbert is ripping that tight window. He's beating the linebacker with his arm there.
1: Their yeah, quarterbacks
2: not, are going beat to beat that angle.
1: But it's not the play side of the play. Like that, That's the backside. He's Daniel sure. Jones
2: is it's looking- It's not an progression. I agree with that.
1: Yeah, but it could have been if he didn't like what he saw up top because up right. top, the three-receiver side, you have two defensive backs off leverage on the number one and the number two. They're playing the goal line. And then Devondre Campbell, who is inside of Richie James. So you have a match mismatch of Richie James against Devondre Campbell. And he kind of gets held here, and it's not called by the officiating crew. But essentially, Darius Slayton does a really good job, I feel like, running his route from the number two position. He eats up the leverage of the off defensive back, and then he acts like he's going out. So he turns his hips, he gets everything turned. And then that defensive back completely reacts, flips his hips and starts closing with on the outside break. But Darius Slayton is just a pivot route. So he just pivots and then he sits right next to Devondre Campbell and then just catches the football. And Richie James, I mean, I feel like that should have probably have been a penalty, but there's space here for Jones to attack in this situation on second down to, to get the ball to Darius Slayton, who ends up providing, I feel like a pretty good route here.
2: Yeah, it was a good decision. I mean, obviously, you can see that there is potentially an opportunity for that arrow route with Brita, who looks fairly open on this play, and he runs a really good choice route there. I'm happy he didn't make the decision because I don't think he's going to ah, – it's tough to say. if he, There seems to be enough of a window, I think, for him to make this throw, even with Quay Walker there, but like you I said – I- if he's looking that way, I think Quay Walker's matching this. He's going to start to look that way. I mean, he'd have to do it like that, where he's opening like this, looking to the right side, and then flipping his hips back and immediately making that throw. It's not like he could just, like, stare down that choice route, because, like you said, then it will get cut off. But, again, I'm fine with it. It ends up being an okay gain.
1: Sets up the Wildcat touchdown by Saquon Barkley with yeah. Gary Brightwell <laughs> as the lead blocker, right? Right.
2: Gary? Well, as the lead blocker and doing a pretty damn good job of it.
1: And also just such a key block, right? Just key blocks from the offensive line to, to pick up these linebackers. And these linebackers more than likely aren't getting to Saquon Barkley, right. who only yeah. has a couple yards to 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 run to all the way to the pylon. But watch how Chris Myrick goes inside of Rashawn Gary, picks up Quay Walker. Watch how from the backside, Ben Bredesen climbs up to the second level and it just removes Adrian Amos right there. Like, Look at the wall the Giants just created right here. Like again, it might not matter to the end result of the game, but the Giants are putting themselves in position right here to execute these blocks and just not allow any of these pursuing defenders to to alter what Saquon Barkley could do. Like I'm telling you, the yeah. backside blocking from the New York Giants is so damn good this season. And also that's just a great block and effort by Gary Bright. Well, a little bit of a hold, but you know what? I'll take it. Touchdown, Saquon Barkley Giants
2: take the lead. Yeah, and they end up this is ultimately their last drive. They didn't have the drive where they where they um End up kneeling it. What were your thoughts on the end of the game situation? Some people are asking us questions on that. One, with the decision to kind of only burn four seconds with going with a traditional punt formation, having the punter kind of run toward the sideline, and then two, uh, making a decision to punt, take the or making decision. I'm sorry to take the safety, and then three, just not trying to really go for the first down either after the stop.
1: Yeah. I always feel a little awkward weighing in to that. Cause I feel like there are pros and cons to both. You you ideally don't want to punt the football there and then risk it getting blocked. So I think I am okay with taking the safety. I was watching the game and and my girlfriend was there and she was like, why would they take that safety? And I was like, yeah. And I explained it to her just like, like I did. She's like, but now if they complete this one pass, then, then it's, they win it's not just tied. And I'm right. like, yeah, that, that, that's the downside, but I think ideally you don't want that punt to get blocked and then possibly result in a touchdown, but that could have also just resulted in a safety
2: too. So I feel, feel like you there's kind of the a lot to get blocked, in but it's also because you want to have better, you want to give them worse field position for the Hail Mary. Cause if you take the safety, yeah. you know, you end up punting. they end up getting on like the 40, but I've seen that go from like anywhere between the 30 and 40. If you punt that from your own end zone and it doesn't get blocked, you're still not getting off a great punt. They could return yeah. that to like the Giants 40 or the Giants 35.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's another factor into it. In terms of the four seconds, like what else would you have wanted I them thinking, to do? In that and situation? some people
2: have debunked it, Nick, but I was thinking you line up with like a traditional formation and you kind of just give it to your best player back there. And you have him just run around, reverse course in the end zone, eventually get tackled in the end zone. You just make sure you're at a depth or in the end zone. It's like Barkley or somebody. Just, this is a wild, like, harebrained, like, galaxy brain theory. But, like, I don't understand why. You, and and some people are like, all right, well, if you do that, then there no one's going to respect the punt. Like, you know, some people, like, respect. They'll just line up in the line of scrimmage and just attack forward, which makes some sense for sure. Um, and it's risky to have your running back like lined up in the end zone from a depth standpoint and just like shotgun snap to him back there. That could go so wrong in so many ways. So I guess this is kind of the safest way to do it. Um, but it just felt like wasting four seconds didn't really help them all that much. It wasn't it? It was fifteen seconds left in the
1: game at that point, right, like, yeah. so I mean, it, it would be tough for for the New York Giants to waste substantial time because either way off the punt, they're, they're more than likely going to have at least one play, which is what they received anyways.
2: Fair enough. All right, let's get into some superlatives and wrap this thing up. Let's start, Nick, with your unheralded player of the game on the offensive side of the ball. My unheralded player of the game, Dan, is Matt Burita, who
1: had to step into a role with Saquon Barkley going down, and he made a bunch of key plays as a running back and as a lead blocker like Mike Allstott. So I think the unheralded player for me
2: has to be Matt Breida. I'll go with to one that might not qualify as an unheralded player, but I qualified as an unheralded player, especially with all the flack he's taken from some Giants fans, and that's Darius Slayton, who had a phenomenal yeah. game in so many ways. In my opinion, made zero mistakes. I don't consider him, quote-unquote, not turning his head around. When you actually watch the film, it doesn't really look like he didn't turn his head around. It looks like by the time the ball was thrown behind him, he turned his head because the ball was coming behind him. But he was looking forward, as he should have been, for the ball to be there. Other than that, zero mistakes, a lot of really tough catches by Slayton, good routes. Ultimately, was a big reason why the Giants won this game. But if that doesn't count as an unheralded unheralded player, Nick, because... What did you say? It's unheralded enough. It's it is, but it kind of doesn't count because he's getting some praise. And I guess he is Darius Lane. I'll go with Marcus Johnson as the other one comes in, doesn't have much of a time, m- much time to pick up the offense steps right in, makes a few plays, a few big plays. And more importantly, like you said, plays that key role of clearing out defenders with, with his vertical acceleration and speed.
1: Absolutely. What was your best throw of the game? Cause mine, I'll just go first. Cause it might be the same as yours. I think it's the Marcus Johnson throw because we've, kind of chastised jones a little bit for his inability to accurately throw on the run and i feel like he did that while showing patience while tempoing his his path outside he just did a lot of little things and i also just feel like from a mental standpoint this is a more of a physical thing best throw but from a mental standpoint we saw such a uh an ascension from daniel jones all the little subtleties that we talk about in quarterback play daniel jones showed a lot of them in this game but if i had to pick a throw it's probably the marcus johnson one
2: Yeah, it's definitely that Marcus Johnson throw, like you said. I mean, we broke it down earlier. It was on that PA rollout. And... There were a lot of good things about it. I also would put in the Richie James third and 13 throw. is probably my second favorite throw from Jones. It's not that hard of a throw it was a clean pocket. I get it. And like he waited for him to get open that window, but the timing of that was still really good. The ball placement and the timing on that and the ball ripped out. I feel like in general from Jones this season, he's thrown the ball a lot better. Just purely talking about how the ball's coming out of his hand. I feel like it's looked a lot better. So that's just one example of it where it just came out nice, compact on time with velocity and with good ball placement. So. That would be the second one. How about the best route on film for you?
1: Best route on film. I think I might. I think I'm going to go with. Uh, there There are several. I have the yeah. slate and tight route, but he kind of stumbles out of the route, which is a little sloppy. But I still think there's a lot of merit to the fact that he was able to turn that tightly and recollect his balance after a slight stumble and then accelerate out of the break to create the separation on Adrian Amos. So I'm going to go with that slate and tight route. First and 10, 603 left in the second quarter.
2: Yeah, I'm actually going to go with the one that we broke down earlier, the one that um, it was the one I'm, I'm trying to think it was the drag and go route where Richie James kind of tempos that route. I think just the nuance of that route, like you broke down perfectly, Nick, yeah. where he, has the t- he uses that kind of like not f- super fast release off the line of scrimmage to kind of keep those linebackers like, eh, is he really going to do anything? And then just burst into that and then eventually runs that go. They're going to use that again at some point, and they're going to hopefully hit that play. It's a deeper play downfield They haven't really hit. Have they hit any deep concepts downfield? I'm trying to think. They hit this the Shepherd one in Week One. Was that, that was more of just like a go. It wasn't like a necessarily yeah. um, right. a concept. I mean, I guess it everything is a concept, but yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. It's kind of just a go, yeah. So I feel hopefully at some point they do make turn that into like a touchdown or something like that. But that would be the one for me. How about the best play call by Mike Kafka?
1: Geez, there are so many are play calls to yeah. go from. I think I'm just going to go with the fact that he trusted his rookie tight end and go with the double <laughs> reverse pass. But okay. I,
2: honestly, we, we talked so much about
1: all the play calls. There are so many that you could choose here.
2: I'll go with the with the 40 yard run by Saquon Bar. I mean, there's so many that you can go. You yeah. go for the Barkley 41 yard catch, but I'll go with the 40 yard run. The unbalanced look. Going to the weak side there, the pin and pull concepts and play. It felt like in some ways he took a little bit of what he learned by what Kellen Moore did against the Giants, and just with using those receivers, to kind of yeah. aid your run game and just built it, built it in his own way. He built his own style there because he also had the unbalanced look. So I would, I would certainly go with that play, the forty-yard wildcat run. Best overall player, Saquon Barkley for me. Ah, uh, this is it's always tough. between it's always between the two. Um, you know what? I think a third player deserves to be in the mix for this one. That's Daniel Jones. I really do believe that. And I'm not saying that to placate to the Daniel Jones truthers. I'm not saying that as some kind of grandiose grandiose prediction or proclamation on what I think the Giants should do about him for their future. I'm just saying right now in this game, Daniel Jones was one of the best players on the field in this game. I still wouldn't give it to him, unfortunately, because Saquon Barkley had such a great game. And, and I mean, Andrew Thomas always has a great game, so it's hard to give it to him any over those players. I'm going to go with Barkley, but I think Jones is certainly in the mix and could theoretically be on that tier, but at worst, the third best player in this game, which is not always the case. I'm right there with
1: you. Now, I feel like this can be interesting, the yeah, pass blocking right. yeah. and the run blocking. It again, is. this team, this team had like five traditional pass sets. There. It's I very know.
2: unconventional. It's so hard to grade this pass blocking one to 10 when, like you said, there's five traditional pass sets, there's half field, high, low reads. There's in general, just a lot of these plays off the play action where the quarterback's just snapping his head around and throwing to the read that he expects to be there. And it's right away. It's right quick. It's not like there's really any way to evaluate this offensive line overall. In that situation, again, no tradition, five traditional pass sets. If you go player by player, it's not that pretty like Feliciano and Bredesen, I thought, were really bad in pass production. Neil wasn't so great. Glinski was a little better, I thought, in pass production than he has been. And Thomas is always just great. So from that standpoint, you can look at it like that. But then again, there were also plays where they blocked up some really nice pockets for Daniel Jones, which I haven't seen in a while. Like yeah. super squeaky clean, po- clean pockets now, to be fair. A lot. Some of those were like six-man protections versus four-man pass rushes, so like you're expected to kind of have a good pocket for that. And just because it hasn't been happening or it didn't happen against the Cowboys, doesn't mean it shouldn't happen. So I don't know. All that jumbled word play. Uh, I feel like uh, Robbie J. Lou there just going through a bunch of words, but at least I was hopefully making some sense, unlike she did. And that's clearly going to be a reference that went over your head, Nick. Very yeah. few people understand that there was a massive cheating scandal in poker recently. She I saw you saying, tweeting something about that. Yeah, yeah okay. So, it, But yeah, I, I think she's guilty. Well, there's no proof yet, but I'm like 92% sure. Um, But anyway, all that to say, <laughs> I'll give it like a 5.1. How about that?
1: 5.1. I think I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic just yeah, because of those be clean able.
2: pockets. True. I'll go with a 6.4. Yeah, I take it back. It's like, I just think it's an N.A. It's like an N.A. No, no, no.
1: I think you're right. I, I don't think you're wrong in your assessment because I do look at individually. I, I, right. I don't look at the entire offensive line and be like, oh, wow, they were great. And you have to also account for the fact the Giants kept six, sometimes seven in at least right. as a chip and release type of players. So the, the coaching staff is doing everything to mask the deficiencies along the offensive line. It's just how do you weigh that? How do you weigh that exactly when it, when we're giving this you know arbitrary grade, if one to 10 with decimals, of
2: course? Yeah, it is hard to figure it out, especially when you, like you said, the most important thing is they're not really running that many traditional pass sets. So that's when you really see him tested. But there were just a lot of examples when we watched the film of just like Bredesen getting beat too too easily and too early. Neil getting beat, Feliciano getting beat, those three really. Yeah. And so it's hard to give it too high of a grade. How about the run blocking 1 to 10?
1: The run blocking, there were several run plays that weren't blocked up as well as as I feel yes. like they could have been but the plays that were sprung were excellent. And I feel like that's because of scheme. I feel like that's because of non-traditional
2: blockers. I feel like it's because of the blockers. Let's right. go
1: with a strong 7.1.
2: Yeah, I'll go seven, seven. And again, maybe I'm crediting the scheme too much here, but there were some really well blocked plays by the giants. And obviously there were other plays where we're like, if this one player makes his, Executes his assignment, this could have gone for a big gain. And that's still, yeah. I'm still giving that type of play like a pretty good grade overall because the rest of the offensive line, the rest of the unit, including the tight ends, whoever you want to consider in the blocking on that play, was doing their job and was doing a good job. So it's like one player, how much can I weigh it down with one player making a mistake, even if it's a big mistake? So I'll give it a 7 7. Love it, Dan.
1: Love it, man. I, that right there though, we're talking about something we've never talked about recently, right? Yeah, you know, a lot of it is the scheme. Like we say that every podcast, like, a lot of it like what a testament to the coaching. What a testament. It's not gonna get old. We might just continuously just regurgitate that because it's it's so valuable. Like like we said, man, if the, if A Super Bowl is like a house. The foundation is set for the New York Giants, man. The foundation is set. The construction is underway right now with Brian Dable and Joe Shane, and that should just cause so much excitement. It might not be the same personnel, but they are on the path to victory right now with with this leadership that's currently in place.
2: Yeah, I like how somebody described it to me, Nick, um, in one of our Twitter conversations today. He's like, you know, I feel like generally speaking, the NFL has like 20-plus Coaching staffs and coaches that don't really make much of a difference on a week to week basis, five that are really giving you an edge and five that are really killing you. I feel like in the past, the Giants have had the past two years one of the five coaching staffs that really kills you with Judge and Garrett. Yeah. And now, and even like Patrick Graham was pretty good. He's not Wink Martindale. Now that I'm watching Wink Martindale, dude, it's like, all right, man, he's nowhere close to that. Like he did some good things. He also had a lot more talent to work with, by a the way. A lot more talent a lot more talent to work with um blake martinez when he was healthy james bradbury so but now that you're watching really good coaches i feel like the giants have somehow gone from having being one of the five teams that every week as a co- is one of the five worst coaching staffs to now one of the five teams that every week is giving you that coaching edge one of the five best and that is probably the biggest reason why they're four and one this year so oh, it is it, yeah. it's the number one reason and so kudos to them they're going to keep it up they're only going to get better i think so i love to see it. Anyway, thank you to everybody tuning in and watching along on Big Blue Banter on YouTube. We're going to do the defensive film breakdown tomorrow night. You'll see that. Later this week, we have a guest coming on to break down the Ravens game. And we'll probably throw some other content in too because it's a lot of fun to talk about the Giants right now. And so thanks so much for tuning in. Please rate, review, subscribe to all the places. Help us out that way. Otherwise, we'll talk to you soon. Have a great rest of your week.